I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV Podcast 436. Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy, and we are here. Welcome in. Happy New Year, everyone. 2023 is going to be... It's already started out to be a little nutty. Oh, okay. I mean, we've you got think so. I mean, we've got some player movement. We've got a <laughs> lot of rumors going around right now of player movement and true, true, a, true. a lot of different stuff. I saw you today with wrenches in your hand. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get much crazier than that, Terry. No, it was a wild ride. As uh, I'll save the full story for later, but we'll go through it in the after show. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I had to retrieve something for my daughter that was dropped in the car, and it was far more effort and work. So, Kenzie, you're up past your bedtime. You're probably maybe watching. <laughs> You're welcome, and uh, yeah, you owe me big time now. So welcome in again. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, ran a little C-tier over the weekend, a flex start. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but there is a ton of stuff going on. As you just referenced, the rumor mill is certainly uh, locked and loaded. Wild. <laughs> yes, the, the, the rumor mill it, roof is on fire. If all the rumors I've read are true, mm. and I don't believe they... They are. That's I think why some of rumors. them conflict. I, they do. <laughs> so but so it, that would make but, it a little impossible. But if, they, but if they're all true, I think that we would have a season that would rival last's, last year's off season with a lot of the big moves with Kona and Ricky moving. And I, let me say it's, it's, it's crazy, but I'm not putting a lot of stock in any of the rumors right now. Okay. Well, uh, I, I think there is definitely... Plenty to be released. I know as early as tomorrow, we're going to see a few more sponsor announcements. Uh, we've seen a couple of players that have uh, still recently just said, hey, I'm leaving, but they haven't necessarily said where they're going to land. We saw a few more announcements made today. Specifically, I think uh, the the Clash team is one that really popped up and onto our radar. I know we've been talking about a lot of those competitors, uh, and uh, you know some of them have shifted Anything- and moved. 
anything spicy. Oh, it's also spicy, right? Uh, of course, uh, Eric Oakley uh, had announced that he is with Clash. Erica Stinchcomb, who we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, had uh, left Westside and is now with Clash. Uh, Scott Withers with Clash. James Proctor with Clash. So uh, we're, we're, we saw quite a... Um, and Bobby Brown, Cool Daddy Slick Breeze himself. Going full time. So for those of you that don't know, Cool Daddy Slick Breeze, Bobby Brown was with... Uh, he was he was a long time ago. He was a solo guy. He was independent, man. He was, and and, and then he went to Dynamic Discs. Uh, was part of their big ascension. I think started the podcast Disc Golf Answer Man. One of the you know one of the OGs in the podcasting realm. Worked with Dynamic for many many years. Ended up moving uh, out of Emporia over to Oklahoma somewhere. I believe Oklahoma City ish. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Sure. And went independent and immediately uh, was working with a couple disc companies. Uh, We'll say disc-related companies. We had Clash and he had Whale Sacks. And now, I mean, as any good company does, they turn around and look at uh, at the talent they have in Bobby Brown and pulled him on full-time, it sounds like. I love it. And also, a couple of names we've seen throwing Clash discs. I think of uh, Evan Smith, Jacob Curtis, a.k.a. Cupcake. I've seen him out there uh, <laughs> repping the brand for the last, uh, at least this last year. And then Gillis McDougal and Maya Miller are also listed as your North American team Clash discs. Uh, Sayananda, I think we, we had a reference to her last week. She's officially uh, re-upped with... Uh, no, just kidding. She's shifted. West side. <laughs> she shifted from latitude over to west side. That's that's what I meant. Uh, she's re-upped with the within the trilogy. Within family. the trilogy family, yes. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it had me panicked for a second. I'm like, that's not what I heard, Terry. No, no, no. So, uh, and and they're still going to continue, as we said, to be some uh, moving and shaking confirmations. I think we just saw a little bit. Literally, just uh, I just saw when I briefly checked the Facebooks. Alexis Mondahano, uh mentioning how she'll be uh, remaining with. Discraft for her third year in a row. Um, so Team yeah. Innova uh, on the first, almost everybody, they kind of just dropped everything. They did announce, well, they didn't announce anything, which is funny, but it was in some of the PR that both Henna and Evelina upped for three years. Yes. And no talk of any sort of compensation or benefits or anything like that. That's all being kept re- relatively hush hush, I believe. Um, but I mean, that's big news in and of itself because both of them were free agents. I personally didn't think they were going anywhere with the relationship that they've had with uh, a lot of the team Innova people and Innova themselves, but it's good to see that Innova is uh, keeping their players happy. Yeah, and then in another sense, we did finally get a little confirmation on Simon Lazat. I think that was some of the biggest news was just released in the last couple of days. Of course, seeing that none other than Boater Brothers, he's he's officially he's, locked in with Boater Brothers to be on the, the, the board game pro tour. Yes, the BGPT. Yes, which we know <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a great place to land. Yeah. And so, uh, if you can connect yourself with the Boater Brothers, then uh, you're doing good work. So, uh, best of luck to Simon in in that endeavor. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking with a couple different company representatives. As I said, in just a few moments, we're going to have our first representative from Lone Star uh, joining us. And then shortly after that, we'll have representation 
Uh, it depends on what hat he's wearing when he's giving any given answer, uh, rightfully so, because he wears a few of them. So we'll have to grill him he should accordingly. Li- he should literally have to change hats. <laughs> yes, he should got, have a Ledgestone hat and <laughs> a PDGA hat. The PDGA's uh, board president, Nate Heinold. Uh, there's been a lot of talk and chatter, uh, not only from a PDGA perspective, including some of the bids and announcements that we've had recently, but then also, uh, also what's going on with Ledgestone. I know they're talking about opening up registration and have made some announcements from the event side of things and then we're going to a little bit later check in with none other than mike jewel and steve rico who are going to talk to us about the wintertime open which has forever been one of the early season uh some have even said it kind of officially has kicked off the a-tier season we have some other a-tiers and whatnot and they're all right in their own glory and excitement but uh the wintertime one of the longest running events in the world uh, in terms of disc golf. So we're going to be talking to them as well. Uh, Yes, also, uh, as we're seeing, the board is lit up. No surprise. Um, People are talking uh, what we saw, Robert Burridge, also with the announcement with uh, Team Lone Star. I'm just saving all the Lone Star (laughs) fodder for when we uh, actually get uh, Josh here on the line in just a few moments. So... Yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy, as we said. I was thinking we'd roll into 2023. There'd be a couple of announcements uh, or maybe one or two massive announcements of our of our uh, biggest superstars. And as you said, there's just this kind of slow roll of people giving their updates over the last couple of days. Correct. We saw Maria Oliva. I believe she signed with Thought Space Athletics Correct. as well. Yes. So I don't know if that's going to be her only sponsor or her only primary sponsor if you can really call it that traditionally we've always kind of thought of manufacturers as their primary sponsors because that's well, where they get a, a majority of the support um but i believe Mar- well thought space has their own discs they do correct but, but they're 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 a small scale disc manufacturer um subletting their discs from another company yeah um which traditionally they haven't those type of companies haven't usually been big with sponsorship but thought space has really expanded yeah, that and, concept. And obviously Thomas Gilbert uh, being one of the other Correct. big names that they have acquired along with a few others. Well, tonight we've got more sponsorship announcements because it feels as if the entire world, including Smash Bros, were we just, did we just sign? Well, actually, so here's, I didn't tell you this. Um, I've traded you. Oh, you are, perfect. You are going okay. to the, to the, <laughs> please, 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 please. Anywhere but here, anywhere but here, anywhere but here. Disc golf answer, man. Okay, and, okay. And, and I traded you for Joe Rogan. <laughs> so he's coming in here. We're we're just going to talk conspiracies now. Uh, I'm down Hope with that. Mind. Well, Hope and then mind. our primary sponsor, it sounds like they've picked up everyone else on the planet. They're making big they, moves. And let me say, they are sponsoring the most important thing of 2023. Skipbase.com. Oh, they well, in are, that case. Yeah, that's right. They are supporters that's of Skipbase. That's a big Skipbase. plug. Well, without further ado, we have from Lone Star Disc, Josh Hofstra. Josh are you there with us? Hey, Josh. Hey, how you doing? You're, you're two seconds behind if you're if you're watching just on the show. How are you doing tonight? Welcome in. <laughs> <laughs> you might you might be watching the YouTubes. Are you there with us? I am here with you. Okay, I can't there hear you, go. you guys though. Uh, oh, so you're gonna want to turn off the YouTubes. I can hear you on my phone, but I can't see you on the screen. Yeah, you definitely are gonna want to lose the loot YouTubes. Uh, version and 
reconnect with us on your v only. How are you doing tonight? Welcome in. I'm doing great. Sorry. You're going to have to refresh your browser. Let me dial it back. One second. All right. We'll bring him back up. It's funny. We had him ready. He's been on for about 15 minutes waiting in the in, in, in the green room. In, in the green room and uh, and then we get this. Uh, how, much, how funny is that? We'll get him back here in a second here. Uh, cuz we double checked of course that everything was working and ready to go <laughs> cuz that's what we do. As soon as I see if him If there's move one again, thing that we're good with, it's preparation. Listen, we usually nail it. We, we, we the first time, always <laughs> always with the first time. All right. Um Josh, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Or, oh, just wait. Uh, one, one second. One we're getting second. the one second. <laughs> I think he's switching cameras actually now. Uh, yeah, he, we'll, he, we'll make it all work here in a second. We got to make sure we do this right. And uh, we'll get him to join. Oh, we did see uh, uh, Daddy Disc Golf in our chat room uh, says that we saw Brody doing a little bit of trolling. saying that he's Or was it? Trying out a whole bunch of different discs, wondering about sponsors. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. That, that might have been trolling. Or it might not have been. I, it, uh, I think it's a little bit of trolling. Okay. So, all right. All right. Josh, are you ready to go? If we, we okay. All right. We're coming back, Josh. We have was uh, out the window. All right. We are all back. <laughs> Welcome prep. in, everyone from Lone Star Disc. We have Josh Hofstra. Josh, how you doing tonight? Doing fantastic. A little last minute, but we're here. Uh, again, in full disclosure, because this is how we roll, uh, I reached out to Josh very late in the day. I said, is there somebody that would be interested in joining us from Lone Star? You guys are 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 just pushing all of the, uh, the headlines forward here with all these big signings, and you graciously said, yes, you would jump on. So I, I as always, will take uh, any uh, last-minute blame here. So you're, you're good. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's... let's I, I will just be totally blunt that, you know, last year we largely saw representation from Leah Sinigini and Chandler Kramer, mm-hmm. who who both have made their impact immediately in, in that they're fresh players coming into the sport. Leah, of course, has a tie to the PDGA, but then just has her ultimate and this incredible spirit on the course. And then Chandler Kramer has all of his own personality in a very different way. This exclusive, seemingly exclusive, forehand throwing, huge showing international. And then, so that was all of 2022, I feel like, mostly. And then, you know, one of the biggest signings that we talk about is Nico joining and then... The dominoes have just kept on falling or setting up, I guess, depending on where your optimism is. Talk to us about Lone Star acquiring all of these players. Let's start there. Yeah, so the the biggest thing for us in 2023 that we wanted was um, we knew we had great success. Uh, Chandler was somebody that we actually met with out in Austin at uh, a local A-tier um, I'm not sure if it's A tier or B tier, but he was out there playing in Austin and we ran into him and he's like, Hey, I'm looking to go on the tour next year. And so, um, he swung by, we had great conversation, got him on. Uh, this was before the hair change. The hair change was a little last minute going into the season. So, um, he wanted to have a breakout season, decided to change the hair color. We're all for it. Well, we just saw uh, he change Leah, it again. He's going green for the year. I saw that on his socials. Blue. Yeah. Was it blue? I thought it was like a, a, a neon. Did he Th- That's what it used to be. It's like your background yeah it's oh, like geez, your background. really okay it's so maybe i saw super the super bright blue <laughs> oh geez all right maybe i saw the wrong picture then because i did i know he just changed it so wow 
Yeah. Right, well. So he he's he's going with blue for this hair color. The reveal was posted yesterday. Nice. Um, but Leah Sinaginny, I can't say enough good things about her. In the pro group chat, we literally have her as the nicest person here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's her nickname inside of the pro chat. Um, Leah is a huge ambassador for the sport. As you guys know, she serves on the board. And uh, overall, amazing human being. Um, we're looking forward to having all of this all of the fleet of pros that we've acquired uh, over the past couple weeks here, uh, joining us next week for a pro team building week. So we're going to be doing some filming, some in the bags, and we actually have one more FPO signing that's going to be happening tomorrow at 8 a.m. So stay tuned to our Facebook and Instagram for that. Uh, they're about 12 hours late, but okay. Uh, <laughs> um, awesome. Oh, now let's, let's, let's start with the basics of Lone Star's, disc development and because there's always so many questions who makes them whose idea who's designing where are they coming from let's just start at square one give us the story of lone star discs yeah so the story brand for lone star discs is that uh terry dillard who is the uh i call him the big boss right that's dad okay so terry dillard has two sons that's sinjin and travis dillard Both of them came to him during one of the downturns in the oil field and said, hey, dad, we're already doing all this molding. We've been doing it for decades. We have tons of experience. Can we utilize one of these machines and make our own disc? And Terry reluctantly said, yeah, go ahead. So they ended up making their first disc, which was uh, end up becoming the Mockingbird, which is super cool. Uh, And from there, it took off. Uh, They spent about a year making a couple other molds. I call those the OG molds. That's your MIDI, your Mad Cat, um, Penny Putter all named after different family members of the Dillards, which is super cool. Uh, and then what ended up happening is Terry got involved in disc golf. And so Terry then started playing, which is where we got uh, discs like the Dome, the Tumbleweed, uh, a lot of the easier-to-throw stuff. As Terry was learning how to play, he transitioned into that role and said, okay, I've already created a lot of these molds, right? We call Terry the creator. He's the one that comes up with all the designs himself. Uh, very cool stuff. So the reason why we're able to release... I think we did 21 or 22 molds last year. And in such a short amount of time is Terry already has all that experience creating these designs. So he just transferred his knowledge from the CAD designs over to the disc golf world. And that's how we're able to make all these molds so quickly. So, which is incredible because first of all, a lot of companies will say two, three, five molds might be a really busy year. And so the fact that right. you guys had 21 in a year, not only does well, that when say... Terry wants something. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. <laughs> so not only does that say something about the, the you know, just the overall design process and, and trying to dial that in or getting it dialed in, that says something about resources. Uh, the fact that you, uh, molds are typically expensive. Do you guys go the standard molding route when it comes to getting them built or is, is there... Uh, a quicker, more efficient way to do it that sometimes is less expensive. Right. So we actually do it our own way, which is a number of, there's a number of reasons why our molds fly a certain way. And it's because we do them all in house. We don't outsource to anybody. We don't do the industry standard in everything, right? Um, Our plastic isn't the industry standard. Our molds aren't the industry standard. Doing it ourselves isn't really the industry standard. You see a lot of new companies coming out underneath a big parent company that can supply them with the discs. You know, they basically come up with, I want this disc to fly this way. We're going to call it this name. And then they release it. Whereas we chose, hey, we want to kind of blaze our own trail. And we want to be separate from everybody else. And since there are no disc golf manufacturers in Texas, how cool would it be to be the only Texas disc golf manufacturer that makes their own discs? So that's what we ran with. And at this point, 
and I'm sure there's a, a million different ways that you're you guys are getting pulled and you're just getting off the ground. At this point, are you molding and producing any discs for any other companies? And whether you are or not, will you be? Is that something you guys are open to in the future? I guess it's a two parter. Yeah. So. Yeah, so one of the big things is we've been producing for Hooligan Discs. You might know the Yeet. You commented on it. People were getting loving the Yeet, <laughs> loving the yep. Terry Millers talking about the Yeet all the yep. time. Right? Yep. They made me famous, that, right? So, yeah. So uh, we we provide Hooligan Discs uh, to them, so they have our, their disc molded through us. Okay. Um, and then we're also going to be releasing a line of discs with Nico Castro called Sacred Discs. That'll be his lineup. And then we also have big plans to work with another company that is in the state of Texas to produce some of their molds this coming year. Mm, I I have some guesses. Okay. Uh, I want to go back to Terry for a moment on the, uh, we'll say the, not just the resources, but the knowledge. Molding, mold injecting. I I, I can't say enough about obviously all the different things that uh, obviously can be learned, but then Dis and flight. Does he have any? Did he have any experience with aerodynamics, with things of that nature? Because I think of somebody designing. I always use you know a, a shampoo bottle versus a disc. Like they're just so it's, you know worlds apart, and the finite structure of them um, is. Where's his experience, if any, in aerodynamics? Yeah. So as far as I know, uh, he doesn't have any experience in aerodynamics. Okay. Um, the Terry that I know has been doing oil field products for the past 20 plus years. Um, and so when it came to discs, he just kind of broke it down to a measurement level. You just go, okay, I know that this disc flies over stable and this one flies under stable. Why do they do that? And we took a look at the discs and the reason why a lot of our molds look and feel different than anything else out there is because we literally designed it ourselves. So when we went through and we said, you know, uh, for example, the Warbird, <laughs> the Tombstone, the Warbird, and the Tumbleweed are all attempts to make a Warbird. So when we made our first version of the Warbird, we went, oh, my gosh, this is too understable. We said, hey, throw this. And it just went, turned over. And we said, oh, hey, look, a new mold. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so by trial and error, we were able to go through and fill in those spots in our lineup um, that maybe we weren't looking to target yet. Um, and it's turned out really well for us. Like I said, the tumbleweed is one of, um, if not the, my, obviously I work for the company, so I have a personal preference. I think it's one of the best understable distance drivers on the market, if not the best, um, goes forever, tons of glide, anyone can throw it. Um, and that all came from trying to make a warbird. So no complaints there. Uh, so yeah, no prior experience, um, just trying new things and and figuring out what works has been the best way to do it for us. Now, someone would say, well, let me first ask this question. The the <laughs> Suns, I, I, um, how, how active were they in, in playing disc golf? I mean, was this like Man's. a passion of theirs? Yeah. So they, they, and they had played for two or four or 10 years. What was, what was kind of the background uh, there? Close to two decades. Okay. So, so they knew disc so golf. Travis, yeah, Travis has been playing since, I think he said the early 2000s. Okay. They only found out what the PDGA was about five, six years ago, I believe. Okay. Um, so played a lot with their friends. They'd go out. Oh, I love this disc. Oh, you like that disc? We'll try this one. And so um, it was really a hobbyist sport for them. And then uh, it wasn't until, like I said, recently where they went, oh, there's a PDGA and we can register for our own PDGA number and we can get a rating. And then it became a competition between friends. 
uh, at a more structured level than it was just going out and having a good time at the course. Okay, so following that up, someone would say, uh, you know, I love the idea of designing your discs and not necessarily uh, having, uh, for lack of a better term, influence. But clearly there was some influence to have, you know, whether they had a destroyer at one point or a wraith or a rival or a or a PA three, there had to be a little bit of of research and or reference point uh, in in some of the initial molds or designs or or no or did he, you know, essentially just open up CAD and say let's let's draw beveled ed, edge frisbee because that seems <laughs> yeah, like no, it'd be, it wasn't. It'd so- be tough to do that. <laughs> Right. So uh, to give you an example, the first disc that they made was a version of the Mockingbird that was like hyper illegal, <laughs> like would not have passed <laughs> yeah. any standards. Sure. It was the flippiest thing on planet Earth. And so they, they, they went Probably in with super going, sharp. <laughs> hey, yes, yeah, super sharp, super shallow. And uh, we have one of those models sitting up at Lone Star Disc. And so they, they tried that way first. And, you know, I think in everything in life, you always look to your elders, right? You always look to the people that were there before you. And so we've used, you know, examples of going, Hey, like I want this disc, but I want to be like a little flippier or like, what if this disc did this instead? And so I think that's where the trial and error alongside seeing what's already come before us worked out in our favor. We had two options to look at instead of just kind of like shooting from the hip. And then when you talk about the, the plastics, I think I've been blessed to see some of them both in the U S and also even international. It feels like a lot of the plastic pellets that uh, go to our disc manufacturers are largely sourced from s- similar places. It's it's not really a big secret that, or maybe it is that Innova may get some of their pellets from the exact same manufacturer where where Legacy gets their their plastic pellets and Discraft may get some. Now I'm not saying they all have the obviously they don't have all the same blends, but some of those raw materials are are literally coming out of the same factories that then go to the uh, different manufacturers. Do you guys have then, or do they have special insights and or? Uh, some kind of advantages and uh, uniqueness to where any of the the sources are supplied or are those ultimately kind of from the same place just uh, uh, mixed differently? Yeah, so that's a fantastic question and you're right on the nose. So the funny part is um, you got to see how far the rabbit hole goes, right? So most people stay surface level of like, oh, this disc is just designed this way and it feels different because yada, yada, yada. Realistically, we've been in plastic injection for a very, very long time. And so we already knew where everybody else was sourcing their plastic from. Our plastic is the highest grade that we can get. It's the same stuff that we use in the oil field. So, uh, Terry talks about it all the time. He's, you know, this is 10,000 PSI, braces, blah, blah, blah. Like again, Mm -hmm. things that are way above what I know about plastics. Um, and so he goes into detail about that. And that's why our plastic takes so much longer to beat in than any of our other competition. I've got a Bravo curl that I've had for literally a year. And I've hit more trees than anybody else in the world, I promise you. And it flies exactly the same as it did when I got it a year ago. So the, the higher grade quality plastic that we're using is not an industry standard. And we haven't found a single other manufacturer that is using that standard of plastic. So can... Can Terry pick up another company's discs and just basically know what the plastic is, the blends? I mean, has he? Th- that's all built into twenty years of experience, and he can say, "Oh yeah, I know what this is. This is kind of this and this level. It's a whatever, whatever plastic levels they make. I don't know what the quality." <laughs> 
So yeah, so it's it's pretty funny. So that's that's exactly where it comes from. So again, he's the creator for a reason. Mad scientist, creator. He's got many different nicknames. There's a reason why our Victor plastics float in water. It's because he went and did the science to figure out the specific gravity, and then go, oh yeah, it floats in water because it's less dense than water. And you go, okay, we've got that. All right, you know exactly what plastic it's going to be. You know he's very very keen, right? He's got a very very sharp eye. He can pick something up and go, oh yeah. That's just this plastic that's this, 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 and this. Um, and there's very few people in our industry that have that mind. Um, someone else that comes to mind is uh, 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 Dave McCormick over at Gateway Discs. That guy is a mad scientist. That guy's mm-hmm. always mixing different plastics and trying different things. And so um, it's super cool to see reflections of our young company and companies that have been doing it for decades already. That makes me have a lot of pride in where I come from. Right. Uh, well, I- Talking about the plastics, I'm I'm I, 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 I'm just going through Rebel because I don't know. There, we have so many manufacturers these days, and keeping track of yes. plastic qualities and who's best line, I, I've I've given up on for the most part. But I'm looking at, for instance, on the website, a Harpoon mid range material, mm-hmm. Alpha Bravo V1 V2, just different plastic blends, or like what's yeah? What's, so what's Alpha, the, Alpha's how does, a stiffer how does plastic. Work? Yeah, so Alpha is a stiffer plastic. Um, most people equate it to like a champion feel. Um, so it's a stiffer plastic. Our Bravo is the same as Alpha, but it's just gummier. Our Glow is very similar to the feel of Bravo. And then Victor 1 and Victor 2 are their own kind of tacky, rubbery blend. Um, if I gave away the industry standard secret, then we wouldn't be able to keep what makes us special. So I can't uh, tell you everything, right? I can't I sell the farm, yeah. but I can tell you that it's completely different than what everybody else is using. I know. I, I totally, I totally understand. I just wanted to know if there was, because like I said, every manufacturer has, you know, different, usually different qualities and price points. I'm looking at the different materials that you have and they're, and on the website, at least they all kind of hit the same price point. So yeah, is, so what, what is, is there is a differing sure. quality or as far as, the ability to beat in or is it just literally different types of plastics for people who prefer different tactile feels? Yeah. So, I mean, literally it's tactile feel. So we've, we've gone back and forth and and changed our blend, you know, over the course of the years as people go, Oh, I like this alpha, but it's too much this, or I like the Bravo, but it's too much that. And so what we've got now is a, is a perfect lineup. We like where everything's at right now, right? Our glow is super bright. The Bravo is just tacky enough and gummy enough. The alpha is just stiff enough. Uh, Victor 1 and Victor 2, people consider those baseline plastics, but I've never felt baseline plastic be as grippy or float in water. So the price point itself is dependent upon not only the material, right? They're all similarly priced, like you said, um, but also where we source it from, we get it in such bulk because it's the same plastic we use in the oil field side of things that it, it we're able to offer it at that low of a cost. It's super cool. Uh, immediately when you you j- said something about glow, I think about the few comparisons, and then well, should I say the industry leaders that are often then referenced, and and I, I think most would agree, Castaplast and MVP are the two that are generally referenced right away when somebody says where does the best glow come from. There's a lot of manufacturers, but those are the two that usually get mentioned first. Uh, do you do you feel how's your glow? Do you feel like it's uh competitive with those so that's the cool part for me right so i get to be a little geek nerd about this because i know those are also the industry standard right so those guys have really set the bar um i mean dynamics new glow is also great their new moonshine uh blend is fantastic but the cool part for me is i get to sit back and i go hey here's a glow armadillo and i have a guy go out and he goes oh my god i compared it to all these other brands and it was 
you know, just as bright or lasted longer or, you know, uh, for me to be compared to, again, companies that have been doing it for tens of years longer than our company has been, we're already hitting the mark, right? We never changed a single thing. We did it our way from the beginning. And so to be compared to these, you know, giants in the industry, we were on Infinite's list last year. So just last year, we were ranked 23rd manufacturer sold on InfiniteDisc.com. Today, the blog post came out. We are 11th just behind Latitude 64, who is the European godfather of how many different brands. <laughs> so I consider that an absolute honor for us. Um, I know we're looking to smash the top 10 next year, and I believe that we can do it if we continue to go the way that we're going. So if you had to take a guess in 2023, how many new molds are you going to have? If you had 20 plus last year, I mean, some 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 companies will take, I'm, now I'm looking at the Jackrabbit, and they'll just call it the Jackrabbit V2. Now, right. is, I mean, you know, it, you know exactly where I'm going. So, yes, if you modify a mold, are you going to give it an I mean, is it a, is it an entirely new name? Is it just a modified version? Because sometimes those fly completely different. You know, you'll see the rock and the rock three fly. I mean, significantly different, yet they're both considered rocks. If I had the, a jackrabbit and you modified it, are you going to always, and I know always is a tough word because it lasts forever and no one can know infinitely, but is the jackrabbit mold the jackrabbit mold forever? And are we going to see a different modified jackrabbit called something new? I guess that's my question. Right. So as the director of marketing and business development, Terry and the Dillards, who are all the owners, right? You've got to think anybody with the last name Dillard that's there on the Lone Star Disc side owns the company. They've trusted me to offer guidance, right? And so they go, Josh, how do you feel about this name for this disc? We had this exact conversation come up about the Lone Wolf. We were going to name it something completely different. And then we all decided, you know what? We're always going to come up with fresh names, right? There's always something that we can owe owe back to or as a Texas-based theme or something like that. And so as of right now, there are zero plans to name anything an X3 or a V2. Number one, it would look really weird if you go to buy a Jackrabbit V2 in V2 plastic. You'd be like, what? What's happening? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But uh, so for the marketing side, for me, I can say that we definitely have enough names covered uh, to just create new molds. And a lot of the time... Like you said, if you go to modify a Jackrabbit, minor changes to a Jackrabbit are going to make it a completely different disc. You know, we don't do anything where it's like just something small. Um, we also understand who our consumers are because we are the consumers. I brought this up um, on another you know podcast interview where I said, hey, everybody that works there is an amateur, right? We know what it what it feels like to be an amateur and go, well, th- there's no difference. It's This is a this disc and this is a this disc with an X on the end of it. And you go, okay, so it's slightly more stable, but like... It gets convoluted at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be like other companies that have 17 name long names for one disc. It's the this plastic with this model with this, and it's this overstable, and it, it just becomes a lot. Um, I'd rather stay true to who we are and market the stuff that we already have. And so for 2023, to go back to your question, we will not be releasing as many molds in 2023 as we did in 2022. Um, we're trying to take a step back from that because we already have a very full lineup. Obviously, we're able to get some very big names that want to come on and throw our plastic. So uh, as molds come out, it will be for their needs. There's nothing right now that's super pressing. We're like, oh, my gosh, we got to rush and get a, you know, overstable putter. And you go, we have three overstable putters. We're not, <laughs> we're not worried th- in that department, right? 
I'm going to throw you one more softball question here. Um, one of the big okay. things as, as an amateur, obviously, we all look at discs and go, how come when I bought this disc a year ago, it's diff- it flies way different than the same disc I bought this year. How do you guys feel about your consistency in the plastics? I mean, is, uh, do you feel yeah. like a jackrabbit I buy today is going to be very similar to a jackrabbit I buy in a year from now? Yes. No, I think that's the cool part, right? So uh, coming from the oil field side and making thousands and thousands and thousands of parts, they all have to operate at the same efficiency. They all have to operate within the same standard, right? Like we're talking this big of a standard, right? Every single time. And so uh, we follow that same process with our discs. We go through everything. Um, you know, I've had people that are like, well, I need a flat top this or a this, that, or a and with discs, obviously, it's a little bit harder. Your flight plates are a lot thinner in certain areas. But for the most part, if you get a Warbird today and you get a Warbird a year ago, you're going to have similar, if not the same flight out of your Warbird. We don't do – it's one mold for every disc. Apologies. It's one mold for every disc. So we don't have the problem like other companies have where we're swapping tops and bottoms and trying to figure out what special run this was. So, um, yeah, we're very, very consistent when it comes to – having the same mold and having it be the same as it was when you bought it a year ago. You say that now until one of your teammates, your team member <laughs> says, yeah, I'd love this top with this bottom, but this middle core. And then, and then, Trust but me. anyway, well, I guess you'll cross that bridge. Yes. Uh, so speaking of not only just all the molds, but quantities and production, uh, how, how many machines, well, there's a two-parter again. How many machines do you have, and are they similar or the same machines that we typically see at the other disc golf manufacturers? Yeah, so it's funny. Um, I, I Again, I'm a consumer as well, right? I am also an amateur, and so I love watching other people's content too. Um, and so being able to see what other companies are using because they're posting videos of their mm-hmm. factories, right? And I go, oh, they're using this machine. Well, we're using that machine, or we're using like a similar you know, Terry with his background of doing it for so long is like, oh, I could see how that machine would work. Um, so it's all it's all typical plastic injection. It's all plastic molding, right? Um, so there's not a huge difference in the machine. It's more the difference in how the molds are made or how they're how they're done or created or or ran. You know, we've got certain manufacturers that have the mothership, right? They've got these big, you know, technical AI constructs that are pulling discs out and doing this and doing that. Everything that we have right now is run by hand. So uh, the employees that we have working at Lone Star Molding are a huge part of why our company is the way it is. Very family-based, very Uh, family-centric. Then maybe that leads to the next question, which is how, what does Lone Star's expansion look like? Uh, I think about all the people needed just to, to help out your team that continues to grow. But your playing team, but what does the uh, you know employee base look like in terms of the disc side? Um, I, I think of an MVP who sounds like or, they have a a similar setup where they were in in you know molding and they had another business and then the sons you know came to dad and said hey you know can we try out this disc golf stuff? I mean um, so yeah so let let's start there. What what is the the overall production team and and uh, employee base look like? Yeah, so we have six machines currently at Lone Star Molding, and uh, we balance that with the oil field side and the disc golf side. So okay. uh, at any point in time, we can turn it up or lower it down, or we don't have the same um, overhead as other companies. We're like, we got to have, you know, five machines, and I got to have, they're all, you know, we don't have that problem, right? Um, in fact, we don't have a problem producing discs, um, which is fantastic for us. <laughs> uh, I, I, I use this quote all the time because it blows people's minds. 
in our in our second year, right? We're coming up on our our uh, this our first full year going into our second year of intentional marketing, right? Going out there, making our presence known. We have six machines. That is four more machines than MVP claims they had in 2020. That to me blows my mind because we look at these guys as giants of the industry, and I know MVP has a ton more machines now, mm-hmm. right? After the holy shot. MVs <laughs> through the roof, right? And so um, it's it's super cool to see where we're at. Uh, the Lone Star molding side, like I said, still produces oil field products. And then we have the Lone Star disc side. So currently we utilize three machines for discs, three machines for the oil field side. And then we have our entire shipping area up front, which is a five-man crew. Uh, I believe it's a five-man crew. And then we recently hired on uh, someone to help me because I was running the team, events, social media, a bunch of background stuff. And so now... Uh, we've just recently hired Sheldon Jefferson, who is a local TD that's been doing a lot of local minis for us to run our events and team side. And that's been a godsend in the past two weeks. I've been able to hyper focus on media push and marketing for our brand and the amount of feedback that we've seen from the social media algorithms has been insane, especially signing all these new pros. Um, they obviously bring their own fans with them. And I'll say this before we get into the pro question, cause I know eventually it's going to come. The pros that we've signed are on fire for this company. I didn't have to ask a single one, hey, would you like to join our team? Hey, can you, do you want to just come over here? They all came to me and said, we want to be on Team Lone Star. We love what you guys are doing. We love the family aspect, and I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. So that was huge for me, especially finding new pros out there. Well, then the immediate follow-up to that, I was going to go elsewhere, but right now we'll just segue into, uh, as I said, Nicola Castro was your next biggest signing after you know after you had Leah and Chandler who were the face of the, your player your player base I would say you had Nico that I'm sure was met with some criticism some excitement uh, from the fan and player base but also some criticism um, is there what was it about Nico how did that come about and because we've seen Nico with a number of manufacturers. And uh, and even as recently as last year, you know, connected with a couple of them that he's parted ways with, and, and you know, he admitted to having a, a rough year. But w- what was that kind of that reaction, and and how he fits into your you know the scheme for your entire uh, company? Yeah, so Nico walked up to us. Uh, we were at Belton, so the Open at Belton, mm. and uh, that's actually where we met a lot of our pros. Emerson had kind of walked over the booth and was kind of doing like a little shark thing, where he like comes and then like walks away, and then he comes back and walks away. And I'm like, all right, come on. And so <laughs> Nico walked up to the booth after uh, uh, one of the nephews. So the the nephew, I'm sorry, the grandson that the BB6 is named after saw Nico and was Mr. Nico, Mr. Nico, and so Nico came over and. He's feeling on the plastic, and he's like, this feels really good. And I was like, thanks, man. You know, I've been a Nico fan. So I'm, I'm a COVID disc golfer. You know, mm. I'm, I'm relatively new to the sport. And uh, watching Nico play for these other companies, I always knew that Nico was the most passionate person when it came to the sport of disc golf, right? He's always out there. He's always trying to promote it. He's always trying to bring it to the next level, right? Um, and so having the ability to talk with him and see his passion behind it, I knew that eventually if I had the opportunity to work with him, that's something that we wanted to pursue. And, uh, so we had been talking to him. We let, we let him take, you know, a box of discs at the time he was doing open bag. Mm -hmm. And so we let him take a box of discs to try out. And then over time he was really liking it. And he actually sent us an email, uh, right before the European open basically going, Hey, I've tried the discs out. Uh, I really like them, you know, let's get together and let's talk. And so, uh, after the European open, obviously we all know what happened. 
uh, he had reached back out and we basically reached out and said, hey, like, let's take it slow. Let's see how these things go. And uh, through talking with him again, he sought a lot of help. He had a really rough year last year after that, you know, puts people in a dark spot. Uh, being in the spotlight and having something negative happen obviously causes you to curl back a little bit, right? Um, and so talking with him one-on-one, we figured out that a lot of what he needed was direction. Uh, he needed somebody to kind of go, hey, like, here's where our focus is going to be, and we're going to attack this one spot and then move on to the next thing. Uh, Nico, by far, and I've talked with a lot of people about this, has the most ideas out of any disc golfer that I've met about improving the sport of disc golf. And so mm-hmm. the way that I come alongside Nico is I go, hey, I'm your friend in this. Let me help organize these thoughts that you have to keep us on a straight path so that we don't have any you know, chaos, essentially. You don't go, I've got 10 ideas that I want to all get done at once. I'm going, all right, Nico, let's hyper-focus on this and get it done. And so um, he's been extremely on board with you know working with us. Uh, he's already been donating to schools and wanting to do giveaways and really just give back to the community and show that he wants to be here. He wants to be a legend of the sport. So very happy to have him on board for sure. Uh, it makes perfect sense. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I have spent, I was going to say time on a ferry with Nico where we were getting on to <laughs> Nantucket Island. I've spent time in other countries with him. He had, I, I, I distinctly remember talking to him at a uh, Ledgestone event many years ago before Ledgestone was the size it was at a, at a, a meet and greet pizza place. And we had, he, he's <laughs> never been short of passion and ideas. And he said that through and through. And I, I think it is a matter of finding that right place where he's most comfortable and somebody that can, well, I'll say kind of keep up with him because he's got yeah. so many things that he's, you know, so many irons in the fire that he'd like to pursue. And um, so this very well looks like it could be the answer for him. So then, you know, you mentioned that, you know, other people's were other people's other people were coming to you. Did did you guys have a number or a goal in mind of people, quantity or 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 individuals or even a budget or a bu- yeah, and a budget? <laughs> did you have a goal in mind of of a sponsored team? Because I mean, you went from right. you went. From, I don't want to say two because I'm sure you had more, but two essentially touring players. To, I don't even know so how 202. many. Like, I mean, uh, no. No, we're not even going to talk about the. We'll, we'll get to the Ranger team in a second. But uh, ta- talking about like the number of players, how do you go to, to the bosses and be like, "Cool, you you know that touring budget we had, tenfold." Yeah, you know what what, what does right. that look like? So it's kind of funny. Again, it's all. Um, I use the term all the time in my post on Facebook where I say "blessed and highly favored." Right? There's no reason why I should be in the position I'm in. With given the opportunity and the abilities that I have, um, besides the hard work and all the other things we've done, right? And that's the same thing that can be said for the amount of pros we did not expect. <laughs> pros to be coming to us and going, I would love to play for your brand. I would love to be on your team. And uh, through all the effort that we've put through this year, I mean, uh, it, it, maybe it could have been the fact that Terry drove his G-Wagon to the open at Belton and parked next to the booth. That might have been part of it. But... <laughs> No, we, we honestly, when we set out for 2023, um, we only planned on having a handful of pros. I mean, we were always going to run it back with Chandler. We were always going to run it back with Leah. They're amazing individuals, and they've been with us since the beginning. Tanner Gerard, uh, obviously another amazing individual. He's our team captain. He's been with us for three years, um, and he is he's the one that actually brought us Leah. Leah came through Tanner. Tanner was like, hey, man, Leah's, Leah's awesome, and you're going to love Leah, and she's on the board, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, great. Met Leah. Ball of joy, right? All these other pros, we were not expecting, and so it was almost uh, it was almost a snowball effect. So 
we'd obviously been talking with Nico for a while, um, but as soon as it got to be about August, we had a lot of pros reaching out. Um, a lot of, you know, if, if my cell phone could talk, all the text messages and calls that I received from pros from other companies that I've been watching for however long going, hey, I love the family vibe that you guys have. I would love an opportunity to come play for y'all. We were in talks with several big names, um, several big names to come and play for us. And at that point, yeah, it was a budget thing where you go, hey, that's great that you want this amount of money. Uh, we can't see that value, but we know that you are a valuable person. And so unfortunately, we had to pass on those people. And so what's been really cool is the ability to structure our team in a way that benefits the player and us so that we can both move forward having a great deal, right? I think that the industry right now is getting to the point where people are, it's, it's gotten to the point where everybody looks at the money figure, right? So you look at the Ricky deal, everybody goes oh, four million, four years. Oh my gosh. I deserve that. And you go, ah, that's Ricky Wysocki. <laughs> like, it's, it's you can just flat right? out say, no, you don't. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, there's like and, two and or three people th- in the world that deserve that. You're not one of them. <laughs> yes. And in my heart, right? In my heart, everyone deserves that. I want everybody to have me. Oh, me too. I deserve that too. Yeah, you also deserve it. Uh, Talking to you, 860 rated player. Um, that's me. Uh, so <laughs> anyways, People came to us and we were basically like, hey, we would love to have you on the team. Like, what what makes sense for you in this deal? And so carefully structuring all of these deals to make so that the players felt that their needs were met and that we felt like we were getting value out of it. Again, I don't want anyone on my team that isn't on fire for my company because I can I can spend $10 million a year on a guy, but if he doesn't have a social media presence, if he doesn't like my product, uh, if he doesn't care about my Ranger team, right? What's the point in having them? I, I think there's a huge value in community when it comes to building a team. And so a lot of these multi, you know, multi-year, multi-figure, you're like, that's that's great. They play with your name on your back. But how much do they actually care about your brand at the end of the day? That's the big part for us over at Lone Star. And so with that being said, uh, first of all, when it comes to, and maybe you just answered this by saying that, are all of the... Uh, signed or sponsored players are they all one year deals? Is that is that how you guys are structuring your your initial sponsorships? Yeah, so we do it a little different than industry standard, like in everything we do, right? So they're all one year deals, but we make it so that next year when they go to talk with us, we want them to get a good deal too. You know, again, I wish I could tell you guys all the people that we talked to where it was just you like, can. hey, like I mean, you, you can, can. You you literally can. We're on a podcast. You're, you're, you're doing it already. Nobody's it watching. Nobody's going to stop nobody's you from nobody's saying. I'm know. a fantastic nobody's talker, gonna... but I'm an even better secret keeper. So <laughs> uh, some of the people would come to us and we'd go, hey, like this is what we're offering. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's three times, four times what I got offered to play for last year. And you go, yeah, like this is, we believe in you and we know that you believe in the company. And then they come back to us and they go, hey, you know, uh, I just feel like I'm going to get a better deal over here. And we go, that's fantastic. Like, we're happy for you. Like, this, we're we're pro team disc golf at the end of the day, right? We are Lone Star Disc, but at the end of the day, we care about the sport of disc golf. That's what's important to us. And so if pros can get better deals somewhere else and they feel like they're better served somewhere else, then go for it, right? We want to support everybody on this journey that we're all on, right? If it wasn't for the sport of disc golf, none of us would be here. And so um, that was a huge part for us. Again, I didn't want anybody that wasn't on fire for the company and didn't believe in our product. So at the end of the day, that's what it boiled down to. One-year deals, 
Yes, and then if they want to re-up next year, we can absolutely negotiate and re-up next year because you never know. They could be worth more money. They could be worth, they go, I don't want this part of my deal. I want to structure it this way. I got a dog this year. Now I need a dog food allowance, right? (laughs) There's so many things that change, especially on tour. Um, We wanted to leave that liquid for the pros so they feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah, so that will segue right into the the sponsorship agreements. Of course, we've seen a huge variety in, like you just referenced, in terms of money that can be offered. Uh, We've also seen um, uh, quite a difference in terms of what is or isn't known or public. And then uh, another piece of the puzzle is uh, just the overall structuring. You know, Prodigy had their philo- their philosophy when they came out in 2013 uh, that pushed the sport in a certain direction for a little while and also just overall, I think, got more money to more players. Um, and, and now, as of late, it feels as if, whether it's a signature or a tour series or however we want to define those, Everybody's every company has their slightly different version or a limited run or whatever special release dis. What is kind of the core elements to your sponsorship offerings when you think about registration fees, reimbursements, bonuses, signature dis, one off dis, uh, consignment, whatever it is. What are what are some of the kind of core components to your sponsorships? Yeah, so, I mean, tour, let's start from the very tippity-top, touring pros. You know, everybody needs to go on tour that can make it on tour. And so everybody knows you get a tour card, right? Um, you have to be a certain rating when you get a tour card to unlock that, to do this, to do that, blah, 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 mm-hmm. right? So basically, you've leveled up to a point that you can now afford to do these things. And so we try to take care of those players. Um, uh, when they're going out on the full tour, they obviously require a lot more attention to detail when it comes to registering for events, uh, salaries for being able to afford to go on the road. You're talking food, hotels, all that stuff. And so uh, for the touring pros, those guys get signature discs. I mean, they need it. They've got fans. Again, you're on fire for my company. You believe in my plastic. Let's support each other here. Um, as far as I know, we give quite a bit uh, to our touring pros off of the price of the discs compared to other companies from what we've been told, um, which is fantastic because, again, if I'm if the plastic is flying off the shelves and it's because of you, let me reward you. Like here's a here's a I'm honoring you for all the work that you've done for me and my company. Um, and then on top of that, salaries. I mean, all the touring pros have a salary to go out there. They've got something to start with, right? Um, even if it's a small amount of money and they want a bunch of discs or vice versa, uh, there are some hustlers out there, man. There's some people mm-hmm. that are just like, I just want all the discs. You're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. sure. Like you'll. I guess if that's how you want to, you know, make your money, great. But. For the most part, touring pros, it's it's covering their allowances, allowing them to go out, have a signature disc or a signature run of discs, uh, and then making it so that, uh, again, very family-based, very team-centric. When we go out of town, if we're going to, let's call, you know, Music City Open, right? We're going to Music City Open and we're getting hotels. Hey, if you guys are going to be at Music City Open, you can stay in our hotels with us. Like, we try to go out of our way and take care of our pros like it's a family because um, that's who we are and that's who, we, you know. I love it. I was going to do Tommy Boy line, but it's (laughs) (laughs) Um, fine. Sometimes, and again, this goes back to the conversations with various pros about uh, feeling like they're either either held back and or uh, whether it's a production issue or or whether it's some form of a cap of, hey, you know, if you sell this amount of discs, that's great. But here's here's essentially all we're providing or all we're making for you. Do you feel like you're structured in a way that we'll say for lack of a 
better term, like the the earnings are endless or or unlimited, so to speak. If Nikola Castro sells two thousand jackrabbits or or fifty thousand, um, he's got unlimited potential. Yeah, I mean that's that's the big thing. I never want to hold somebody up. It's kind of like we were talking about where if somebody gets a better deal, and they're like, oh, you know what? I'm like, go for the deal. <laughs> like. We've again, if my cell phone could talk, the amount of people that we've gone, hey, the deal actually makes more sense. You're unlimited through us. There's no cap. You don't have to sell this many of this before you get this, right? There's no X plus Y equals Z. It's you get this and you can get this as much as you want, right? We really try to take care of our pros and go, if you want to be proactive, play on words, proactive, uh, if you want to be proactive and go out there and get it, right? You're out there selling on tour, you're out there doing what you want. Uh, one of my favorite hustlers is Tanner Gerard, our team captain. He goes out there, and that dude, no matter where he's at, the hotel parking lot, the pizza buffet, whatever, he's got his trunk wide open. He's going, I got discs. I got special runs of discs. I got these cheeseburgers, man. He's out there selling it, right, getting it, and and he utilizes that to the best of his ability. We would never want to handicap him in that way. So each of the pros has all the opportunity in the world to make as much money as possible through us. Okay, well, let's let's uh, we're gonna take a, a sidestep because there seems to be plenty of uh, commotion, I, is lack of a better term, uh, on the board, and I, I'm genuinely not reading it word for word. But the Ranger team seems to be a hot topic of conversation. Again, yeah. I I do not know uh, of the details, so maybe explain what it is. And then whether worked up or otherwise, just Tulsa, thank you for jumping in on a massive super chat. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Oh, yeah. Um, hello. Um, so explain to us, please, the Ranger team. What does it mean? How does it differ with an underground or a street team or some of the other teams? I'm assuming it's somewhat in that in that general uh, you know vein. Yeah, so again, um, the best part about all this is we've been able to see who's come before us and how they've done things, and we're able to do it how we want to do it. So the Ranger team is a group of amateur individuals just like us. Um, We started the Ranger team last year, and I believe we had over 150 members um, all over the United States. And this year we opened up applications, and we said, hey, if you want to be a part of the Ranger team, these guys were the ones out there killing it, right? They're out there promoting the brand, you know, on social media, we did, uh, we do team invitationals, we do get togethers, like, I'm always on our team page popping in and, you know, hey, is this person coming? And I'll drop like one of these emojis and then we're all having a good time, right? Um, And so the Ranger team is literally groups of individuals. Again, if you want to be on fire for my company and you're an amateur player and you want to go out there and you want to support the brand and who we represent, I would love to have you on my team. Come sit at my table you can come over here. We'll get you some discs. We'll get you some apparel. Like, if you want to be a part of this family that we're creating, this, you know, it's not a club, right? Um, everybody has each other's backs. You know, we have a team invitational coming up next week, and people are like, we're hopping in a minivan, and there's six of us that are coming down for the weekend. Like, we're getting a hotel together. It's super cool to see the camaraderie uh, come out of having such a large amateur team. It's not like other teams that I've seen or been a part of where it's like, well, you have to hit this goal and we're going to dangle this carrot or we're going to do this. We really go out of our way to make sure that everybody feels like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Okay. Uh, I, I think about, like you just said, there's there's so many different versions of these teams. Some of them are aspiring to then work their way up um, you know, from from one section of the team on to the next. And some truly know they won't get there. They're just 
a really big fan or supporter and then love having a an official or unofficial or semi-official whatever you want to call it tied to the company in a in a greater good in or in a in a bigger way and i I can totally understand that as well. And I feel like every one of the companies at some capacity has something and they all kind of scratch a different itch. It's a different. Yeah. Scratch a different itch. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, (laughs) It it may or may not be for everyone or everything. um, But um, yeah, I I can understand how that makes sense. What what would you say is the the number one? I'll just use the term goal. What is the number one goal? That at you know if, if we caught up 365 days from now, you'd be like, heck yeah, Lone Star did this, and this is what we're super proud of. What would be if you could think of one or two? What would those be? You know that you accomplish in 2023. Well, we definitely want to see a lot of positive change. I know it sounds super, you know, oh here's my bleeding heart, right? But we do want to see a lot of positive change. I mean. Uh, our juniors and our and our women and all of those uh, kind of underserved areas in disc golf that need attention, we're trying to push into, right? We're trying to kind of help those sections. Hey, here's a juniors tournament. You don't have to be 18 years old and have a license to drive 30 miles to get to this tournament, right? Um, we're trying to promote a, 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 a better tomorrow for the sport of disc golf that everyone can be a part of. Um, we want to be inclusive in that aspect. And so if we can, as a company get together and run these events and support these local communities. That's a huge thing for us. The selfish thing for us is on that infinite disc list. (laughs) We want to be within the top 10 manufacturers. And so it's funny because uh, I get a kick out of going to work, right? We'll sit there and we'll talk all day about, um, all right, we got to do this, 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 and this. And I mean, it's like, what's, uh, where do they do all the trading at in New York? Stock Wall exchange. Street. Yeah, Wall Street. Yeah, they're at the stock like, exchange. Our, 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 our office looks like Wall Street. There's, all right, did you do this? <laughs> did you email this guy? Okay, all right. And we're just going back and forth. And then we'll all stop and it's like, hey, we need to run like a juniors tournament. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> like we should definitely do a juniors tournament. Okay, let's do it for this day and for that day. And so like, it's cool to see that in, in the hustle and bustle and everything of trying to be a bigger, better company and, and kind of spread the Lone Star name through the sport of disc golf, that we're also taking time to think about what's really important and what matters. And that's the people of disc golf. That's the amateurs, the juniors, the women's divisions. All that stuff is super important to us as a company. I, I'm just curious, how big is the disc golf portion compared to the oil production portion of the company? Is it like 10 to 1? thousand to one just like (laughs) if if you can share that i don't know like what is yeah so i'd say we have 40 plus employees that work on the molding side and then on the disc golf side we have like 10 so it's like a four to one mix right now um surprisingly enough again the sport of disc golf is the biggest smallest group of individuals i've ever been a part of i come from the automotive world which has hundreds of thousands to millions of people that are fans of the automotive world and the automotive community. And I was Josh Hofstra in the automotive world, right? The same mm-hmm. interviews we're doing here. I was doing with people over there, but then I come to disc golf and I'm doing these interviews and I'm working for a company like Lone Star. That's only been seriously doing this for less than two years. And it's like, everybody knows your name and everything's this big thing. And so it's funny when people come to our facility and they visit the pro shop and they go, wow, I thought this would be like 10 times bigger. And you're like, it's disc golf. Hasn't gotten to that point yet where it's, 
you show up to the Budweiser factory and it's this big assembly line of whatever and you walk over. So <laughs> not everybody has that yet. And you can be competitive as a manufacturer. And honestly, I would love to see us in the top five actual manufacturers, right? So the guys who are out there making the plastic for other brands, I would love to see us in top five, top four next year. That would be a huge thing for us. Uh w- what would you say, and maybe this kind of just touched on it, but what would you say is the biggest inaccuracy, the most, uh, it doesn't have to be egregious, I suppose, but the biggest right. misconception or inaccuracy, You, I'm sure you read them daily. Again, they're all over the place in terms of some truth to no truth uh, to, to just absolutely bonkers. What's the biggest misconception? Uh, yeah, the biggest clarification you'd love to make or uh, tell us about with regards to Lone Star, if any. Uh, weight. Weight is the biggest one that I hear the most often that in my mind I just go, uh, one or two grams is not going to change a disc, guys. I hate to tell you this, but okay. I'm, I'm in my in my head, I'm the same way. I go, oh, my discs, they got to be 173. Just makes my mind happy. I just like my uh-huh. 173 discs, right? But realistically... A 174, a 173, and a 172, there's going to be little to no difference uh, in change of flight. I have thrown a Lima Walker that's 149 grams, and I've thrown a Bravo Walker that was overweight. It was 182 grams. And I can tell you, they fly just as overstable (laughs) as each other. (laughs) Obviously, weight and wind and other factors plays. If I'm in a wind tunnel and there's no wind, and I throw two discs, and they're the same weight, and I put the same rotation with the same amount of snap, they're going to fly the same exact way. The reason why we can throw uh, lighter discs farther or do that is because we can over-rotate them, right? There's some science behind that, blah, 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 blah. I won't get into it, but weight is not as huge of a factor as you think it is when it comes to choosing a disc for you. Uh, what, what, I was going to say, what is the most popular Lone Star disc? Uh, currently, if you look at our website, it would be the Armadillo, which is hilarious because it was a disc that we were never intended to make. Uh, one day I came into work and was like, I love one speed discs. And I showed one to Sinjin, who uh, does, he's vice president and does graphic design for us. And Sinjin picks it up and he's like, he's, he's looking at a couple different one speeds and he's like, are they all like this? And I was like, they're just fun. They're just little pot lids. You just all look, you just pop it out there. And uh, we sat down and we ended up making the armadillo. <laughs> like, and it's become a huge staple for our brand that everyone can throw a one speed, right? That's It's a one speed disc. So everyone can throw it. Uh, and it's a ton of fun. The artwork looks great. And then the second uh, highest selling one right now for us is the Ranger. Uh, the Ranger is the perfect happy little accident. We were trying to make the Walker and made the Ranger by accident and accidentally made what is in regards to and again, there's going to be some flack on this, the best mid-range we've ever thrown. Um, The Ranger is turn, it is stable, it is everything that you want it to be. If I had to do a one-disc challenge with one disc, I would take a Ranger over any other disc from any other manufacturer. How many names do you have lined up right now? Like on your board, on your whiteboard at in your office, you've got to have like a list of names because you all you, you you said Walker and Ranger, and all I kept thinking is Walker Texas Ranger and this all the yep. different Texas things you've got. How many? How like? And do you have a a theme? Hutters are this mid range, or is it just all Texas related? So, 
Here we go. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, well, sit down. Sit. <laughs> so we had the original eight or nine OG molds is what I call them. So mm-hmm. you're talking Penny Putter, Curl, Bowie, Harpoon. These are all named after either, hey, that sounds cool. We like harpoons. Uh, great. It's cool looking, right? <laughs> uh, or they're named after like the Curl is named after one of the granddaughters has very long curly hair. And so they named the Curl after her hair. Um, BB six is named after it's the initials and the baseball number of one of the grandsons. And so those OG molds to me, I want to, I want to keep a precedence of in the future, right? We'll do something special for those. Uh, they brought me on board. They said, Hey, let's start doing some intentional marketing. Let's get some marketing direction. I said, great. Only company that makes their discs in Texas. We should probably do a little bit of Texas theme. So the Jackrabbit, the armadillo, um, Jackrabbit was the first disc that we came in that they asked me and they said, what do we, what, what should we do for name? And we all agreed Jackrabbit. It's named after, it's the middle name of one of the granddaughters, Jacqueline. But Jackrabbit is West Texas, blah, 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 blah. So we did Texas theme for a while, and then Terry said, you know what, guys? I'm getting pretty tired of this Texas theme. I'm going to name this disc the Texas Ranger. And I said, why are we naming the Texas Ranger? And he said, I'm going to make an oversale version and call it the Walker. So we'll have the Walker Texas Ranger. So it's still Texas themed, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that the artist stamp will be like, a pair of cowboy boots or something, right? Um, and then we did Lone Wolf for Lone Wolf McQuaid, which was another Chuck Norris movie. And so the Chuck Norris line is right there. That's our mid-ranges, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> is that true? So are, are all your mid-ranges going to be Chuck Norris themed? They were. So are the, the MIDI is not. The oh. MIDI was one of the OG ones. And so we have the Lone Wolf. So uh, we did what I call as families of discs. So the way that they feel is is you know that a lone wolf is the is the understable version of the ranger and the walker is the overstable version of the ranger because they're in the same field the same family right they all have a beat on the bottom they all have the same wing shape right uh, but they fly different and so that grouping of discs that we made that family is all like chuck norris themed so <laughs> again we like to have fun over here there's no matter of thing that is off limits um, we have some new discs that are going to be releasing. They just got announced on the PDGA uh, that they were approved, which is the Seguin and the Frio, which are named after rivers in Texas. So is the Guadalupe. Um, that's not after the Guadalupe, the mother, whatever, blah, 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 the bathtub Mary Guadalupe. It's it's named after the river and the Guadalupe bass that is only found in the river. So. Yeah, we kind of have fun. <laughs> there's no, yeah. there's no uh, middle ground that we don't stop at. Uh, wow, I've got two two more two more to that is one yeah. uh, someone like myself, and this is totally selfish. Just just to be very clear on on the internet here, uh, I of course sell I sell discs. I run a lot of tournaments, so on and so forth. Someone like myself, do I go to your website, send you an email, uh, in hopes of becoming a uh, a dealer for your discs? What, what are some of the 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 parameters? Because now, as the sport continues to grow, we've seen some very successful things in my 30 years and some not-so-successful approaches. Uh, What does it look like for you guys onboarding new um, shops, dealers, wholesalers, all that? Yeah, so if you email info at LoneStarDiscs.com, we do require there's a minimum disc order that you do have to fill. Um, but you can email info at LoneStarDiscs.com, and as long as you have a tax ID and you can sell discs and have your place of business, we always invite those people to come on board and sign up through us. Um, okay. You can also get our discs at wholesale through Discs Unlimited and InfiniteDiscs.com. Both of those guys are awesome. They treat us so great, um, and they do a lot of distribution for us because 
those guys got a lot of stores. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you I go through and you, <laughs> yeah. The first time I did get on board and bought uh, some Lone Star discs, I had I was already making an order through Infinite through the wholesale, and then I was like, "Oh, they're here. Let that make sense. Let's just order some uh, Lone Star stuff as well." So, um, yeah, that that was my initial, and now continuing to see you guys grow and expand and have this overall. Uh, I, I don't want to just say acceptance. I don't think that's the word. Uh, just the uh, progress and everything else that you guys have had. Um, yeah, it's been really exciting to see. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back just as somebody else did in the board. I want to go back. Uh, you, you answered a great misconception about disc golf. My what I meant was, and I wasn't probably clear. Mm. What would be the number one misconception about Lone Star? If if somebody that you read on the internet and you're just like, oh god, that's so wrong again. Is there is there anything that you you know open floor so to speak to clear the air? But is there anything? major or minor that's like no this is just dead wrong people can stop saying this or typing it yeah or screaming it so the cool the cool part about being somebody who doesn't play by the book is that there's a lot of rumors that come out right and so we make our own discs so at one point i got into an internet struggle right uh where yeah. someone was like your guys's discs are made in kansas you guys don't even make them in house how are you gonna and i was like listen so i went through our facility and i said texas Texas, Texas, Texas. And I'm showing this building right here. You could Google Earth it. It's right here in Texas. Look, there's a Torchy's and Tacos so I, right there. Yeah, yeah there's literally. a, buck, a Bucky's too. Yeah, yeah it's Texas, two miles down it. the road. I'll go get some Torchy's and bring it back to the facility to prove it to you. And so I think that's the, the funniest. And, and again, our marketing is intentional. We literally tell you Texas made, Texas proud is our slogan. And then when people go, ah, oh, these guys aren't even made in Texas. MVP makes them or these guys make them. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, we're literally, like, okay. close to doing a virtual shop tour. I can't express enough. Your shipping label comes from Conroe, Texas. Like, uh, and so, yes, we do make our own plastic. We do everything in house from start to finish. We get the pellets in, we mold it ourselves, we create the molds ourselves. It goes to the back, we stamp it ourselves, and it ships from the same facility. It's all the same building, it's all the same facility. So, that is the I, most common misconception. Okay. And, and, I mean, I think that was one of the early uh, things we talked about, even in opening the interview, is that a lot of companies, due to uh, just a restriction of resources, manpower, money, all of those things, understandably go get their discs made by, um, you know, whether whether it's another yeah. disc golf manufacturer or it could just be another injection molder that is getting things going for them and some of them graduate if that's what you want to call it some of them evolve or graduate into doing their own molding and some don't and everyone's on their own path but i, I it is a great distinction to make yeah exactly that's my point yeah. but it's a great distinction to make that no you guys are in control in charge and you are literally making your own disc my only thought to that is you know you said earlier that uh three machines are running discs Clearly, if you guys are going to continue on this path of success with these players, excuse me, not only are those going to have to be continue to be probably 24-7, but you may need to double or triple your machines. I mean, I know how many discs those things shoot out uh, or produce, and clearly it, your your demand is going to continue to rise, which means you guys are going to need more machines. Oh, yeah. So so as time goes on, we've already got a full, trust me, <laughs> the plans. Uh, I, I am the, the reason why I survive at such a, I mean, again, oil field is not easy, right? And so 
the day-to-day process can be grueling of trying to get parts on time or delivered or whatever. So they understand deadlines. They understand delivering product within a timely manner. And so the reason why I fit in so well with the Dillards, who are their own family, and they trust me to do this is because I'm also a five-year five to 10 year guy, right? I'm already looking at what's Lone Star going to do in five to 10 years. And we're all in the same mindset. We're all going, okay, so we're going to get a couple more machines. We're going to move this. We're going to build up this section. We need some offices here. Like our big picture is well within reach. Um, and from there, once you reach that step, as you guys know, you just move on to the next one, right? One step at a time. And so, uh, added a new machine, uh, probably about two, three months ago, and we'll probably be adding another machine, and we'll just keep adding and adding and adding and making room for and making room for. Again, uh, as demand continues to rise, so must supply, and we have no problem supplying that demand. Okay. Well, I saw somebody say your glow is out, so start getting those pumped out. <laughs> yeah, no, so glow is going to be arriving next week. Don't worry about that. So <laughs> that goes back to the other thing we were talking about with shortages. We haven't experienced the same plastic shortages that the rest of the industry seems to be facing, um, which is super cool for us, right? Hey, great, our stuff's in stock. And so uh, the cool part about the recent rise is uh, all of our social media, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, has all seen a massive increase. I think... I looked last week and we had a 400% increase in Facebook reach. 400% is insane. <laughs> and so obviously as as we've seen we go okay, we have a 400% increase in Facebook reach. We're probably going to do half of that in an increase in sales, right? And so you have to plan for that, which is what we're doing, which is why we're ordering more product, a life at that. Your glow's out of stock. Well, it is glow season and I as a consumer also know how cheap I am and it amazes me how much you know support we get from the disc golf community where you go we've got 500 glow armadillos back in stock and they're and they're sold out in 30 minutes you're like oh we'll make 500 more (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 very easy for us to kind of turn on a dime and go okay this is selling and people want this um again very blessed to be in the position that we're in with the community that we have backing us with the pros that want to come play for us we could not be in a better position starting 2023 well, I want to say thank you uh, selfishly as Terry got to do his selfish thing because I know I reached out earlier at the end of the year about Skip Ace doing some fantasy disc golf stuff, working with Lone Star to kind of coordinate some some prizes for some of our players. We're going to line it up with the Austin Open, and you guys were, you know, no no questions. I worked with you and then with Brittany as well um, at the Lone Star team, and it was just gung ho, like yeah, let's awesome, let's do it. So. For me, thank you very much, and I'm excited to be able to uh, work with Lone Star next year from a a Skip Ace Fantasy Disc Golf perspective. Yeah, thank you for your support, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll give you the floor if if there's anything else. uh, We we could probably talk for another hour, but uh, right right now, for now, that just means we're going to have to have you and some of your other players, of course, uh, uh, of all of whom we know and love uh, anyway, so that's a no-brainer. But uh, anything else you want to share with us before we let you go here tonight, Josh? Yeah, check out our Instagram. We're doing a giveaway right now for uh, some Hooligan Disc Yeats. That's Terry Miller's favorite disc, just so everybody knows. Uh, So we're giving away four Hooligan Disc Yeats. You guys swing by. Uh, It's just Lone Star Disc on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, We're getting a ton of new subscribers on YouTube for some new content. And as always, we love seeing you guys out there throwing those Lone Star Discs. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we we keep hearing that we kept hearing the murmurs of Lone Star and Lone Star, Lone Star, 
And as you guys being, uh, you know, relatively new players on the block uh, and us not having a personal uh, interaction with you, either at a course or at an event or anything of that nature, it was great to have you on. Thank you for answering the myriad of questions that just range from <laughs> from top to bottom, left to right. Uh, I think the entire world has that much more of a perspective of where Lone Star came from, where you're going, what you guys are working on. And uh, we're all blessed that you were able to share all that with us tonight. So thank Thank you so much, Josh. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot, Take Josh. care. See ya. All right. Bye. Sounds good. See ya. As we just said, Josh Hofstra joining us from Lone Star Disc. Thank you so much. Uh, I've said this before that oftentimes when we have guests on, uh, we've probably known them sometimes for a couple of years, sometimes for a few decades. And it's catching up and uh, sometimes you even know what they're going to talk about and or they're going to say, but we're trying to ask all the right questions for all the right people. Tonight was genuinely a uh, a question and answer session that was just as selfishly as much for us as it was for everyone at home because there has been so many talks about Lone Star. Who are they? What are they doing? How are they going about it? it and I hope a lot of that was answered for you guys. Agreed. It, honestly, Lone Star right now feels to me a lot like MVP did eight years ago, nine years, whatever that was. When I walked up to you at Valley View and you were telling me about these crazy new discs that you had with the overmold and they mm-hmm. were then they looked really cool. And you're like, yeah, these things sell like hot, like people are so excited for these. And he's like, it's just this company that does this overmold thing. Like, I don't I don't. Yeah, I think you even said it to me like, I don't understand, but. Hey, they're selling and that's great. And they had such a um, MVP had such a, a, a vibe back then. I feel that way with Lone Star right now. Like there is a real groundswell for this company. And we saw it on the board. There was a lot of the Ranger team out there really promoting. Um, I, I believe we even was it. Was it uh, there, there are a few there are a few other Lone Star team members out on the board as well. Nico Nico popped in and I believe even uh, one of the owners was out there at one point answering some questions so i really do feel that way that we've heard this this murmur grow into almost a yell at this point for lone star i'm excited to see what they do over the next year or two well and it's been no secret that again our number one uh mouthpiece that we saw out there was leah sinagini because she was on tour at every single event uh i saw her every single weekend when i was out there <laughs> she's not quiet either and uh <laughs> she's she, outspoken as he said just a a burst of energy to always be around and she's working on all of her own good stuff in addition to you know just entering into the scene uh cue up miley cyrus's Coming in like a wrecking ball. I mean, she's she's got she's herself out a, there. She's got herself a new tattoo as well. I saw on Instagram. So well, I her. mean, I think that was that's every week. Is to it? To be fair, yeah. She's, <laughs> she, but uh, we love uh, we love seeing her out there, and and then she's taking things to another level with being involved from a board perspective as well, and and uh, very much. Uh, you know, running on in- inclusivity, but also just running on some diversity, um, you know, with her background and also with her knowledge. And uh, it- it's great to see. And of course, uh, a very underrepresented group overall being uh, women within our sport. So it's awesome to see. And uh, again, thank you so much to Josh for joining us. One other quick shout out, just Tulsa coming in with the uh, hot, hot super chat. I don't know how somebody's going to top that right away here in 2023, but off to a great start. So just Tulsa logged into the board. We really appreciate it. A $100 donation. 
Heck hey, yeah. Thank you. Getting just Tulsa. Getting some of that. We're, so just Tulsa, just so you know, you're invited back next week. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you have an open invite uh, anytime uh, every week. All right. And speaking of the PDGA board, and I teased it out there earlier, this is our next guest who wears a ton of different hats. Well, he doesn't often wear a hat, but figuratively speaking. I've never speaking, seen him in a hat. Uh, when he does, it's a thing of beauty. So uh, none other than... <laughs> One, Nate Heinold is joining us now. Nate, welcome in, buddy. How are you doing tonight? Okay, that's not true. I think I've seen him in a hat. <laughs> I am well. I do own I do own some hats, so I have them on my desk even. <laughs> can um, can so I get that at, at the Ledgestone website to purchase? We have tons of hats. So, oh, my gosh. Um, oh, I thought plenty, that be... plenty of stuff, so... And it is, yeah, no, I was just going to start the conversation with, it's good to see you, Johnny. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> well, and, right. so, you know, everything's uh, coming up Johnny Day because uh-huh. I want to say tonight we're having our second big sponsor of Skip Ace, Ledgestone. I reached out to Nate a couple of weeks ago. I was like, hey, you want, he's like, literally, he's like, how many weeks? And I was like, whoa, he's their big guy. No. Um, so I'm, thank you again, Nate, for, for uh, sponsoring Skip Ace this year. All right. Well, I, that sounds like a gamble to me in more ways than one. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, welcome in uh, again, our PDGA board president, Nate Heinold. But Nate, it's not a secret. You, in fact, have your hands in a lot of disc golf cookie jars, uh, I guess is a way I'd word that. You do a lot of different things in addition to still uh, running and owning or, or co-owning and operating with Ledgestone Insurance. So uh, I guess you tell me, where where do we start? Oh, here, you don't get a choice. All right. Here's where we start. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, last week, seven days ago, we had Missy Gannon talk about uh, your affiliation to not only Missy and Chandler and your team, but also to charities like St. Jude and the Paul McBeth Foundation. How how do you fit into those? Yeah, I mean, I have my hands in almost too many cookie jars. I, I try not to split my focus too much, but, you know, I um, I volunteer as the chairman of the Paul McBeth Foundation. You know, I happen to sponsor missy and chandler and you know um they asked me to go to uganda and i just couldn't make it work with my schedule and 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 family stuff and pdj business that i had to attend to and so they had the idea to send missy and chandler and they're obviously you know phenomenal ambassadors for the sport in general Um, i mean i i showed some pictures to my wife from chandler you know just you know with the kids over there and it was honestly it just it's uh it just it, it makes me say, well, I'm, I'm glad that I give to Paul's foundation. I mean, however you feel about Macbeth, and I personally can't stand him. So you know, so um, wow. just kidding, um, just kidding. <laughs> so, but he's you know, I mean, just giving to that foundation, seeing what they're doing, and I mean, I believe in spreading disc golf everywhere, and that's the mission of the foundation. And so, um, I think we all want to grow the sport of disc golf and to see it grow in other countries. Um, you know, is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, we saw that even before the Paul Macbeth foundation, obviously you were very active uh, with donating to St. Jude and being part of that uh, at more at a local level in terms of the Peoria area, uh, writing some of the largest checks disc golf's ever seen to a charitable uh, cause or foundation has been incredible. And I know uh, you, you guys have even started to spread that out. 
throughout the years. You're not just giving to the you know the local chapter in terms of uh, St. Jude, but also the Paul McBeth Foundation, and then you partner with two or three other organizations, don't you? Yeah, we've given, we've supported Edge for many years. We've supported Easter Seals, the South Side Mission here in Peoria. Um, honestly, if if people reach out, we try to find a way to support them. And so, but St. Jude certainly is our primary, uh, you know, contribution. And then honestly, Paul's foundation is right there as well. And so, um, it, you know, disc golfers like to give back. And so um, that's really, you know, people give me a lot of credit for, but really, we don't raise money without people buying special discs and, you know, buying the Paul discs or Paul coming and signing discs for three hours and then doing it again the next day and then playing a charity event for me. And he's like, Hey, you know, do I have more events? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. I would love for you to do more, you know? So <laughs> I, I, he keeps, he keeps volunteering and I keep signing him up. And so, um, so it's really the community coming together to help, me raise money for charity so well uh, a moment ago you talked about you know not only his foundation uh in, in all the good things are doing but obviously it's spreading disc golf around the world and that really could tie back to what has been somewhat of a heated question in the last week or two is that we saw the pdga worlds was awarded to you and your your staff your organization congratulations but that was also met with a little I'll say frustration by some or or either uh, misunderstanding, frustration, outrage, whatever you want to call it, a little bit of everything probably. Um, well, I guess let's start there and, and please tell us which hat you have to put on for this answer. Uh, why would you get the award for uh, to have it in Virginia when a lot of people really thought we were going to see it for the first time, be international or or across the pond over there in Finland. Yeah, you know, I mean, I being the board president and and the chair of the you know of some committees with the PDJ, I'm in a tricky spot. And so, you know, if I want to bid on a, an event, I have to completely recuse myself. And so, you know, I don't really have any information to share on other bids. And you know, and and but you know, I'll say this: I think I've bid on almost 10 majors now. And there've been times when, you know, there was a time back in 2016, the PDJ came to me and said, Hey, we have no bids for this major. Will you bid on it? And I actually didn't get it um, because they went to somebody else as well. There've been times. That seems seems harsh. It's like like, like a girl asking you out and then standing you up. (laughs) Hey, meet meet me at pizza hut. And then she doesn't show up. Ouch. Well, the point was, is that they didn't have any bids for this major. And so they went to two cities and I wasn't the best bid and that was fine. But I've bid on three majors. There were no other bidders besides me. And so I, I got it basically by default. I've been on other majors where, you know, there was probably only one qualified bid. And yeah, I probably bid on majors that there were multiple bids that were good. And, you know, they chose our bid. And, you know, when, when, uh, you know, uh, Downs called me and said, you know, hey, you got the bid, blah, blah, blah. Um, he said, hey, you know, your bid was the highest scoring bid. I mean, it was a phenomenal bid. Um, I flew out to Lynchburg. We had a really good proposal with the, the, the city of Lynchburg and Bedford County. And we tried to make it super competitive. And so, you know, we wanted to make it hard to turn down. If they had come back and said, we're going to Finland, 
I would have said, how can I play? Like, I want to go over there, you know? And so I would have been fine with that. So um, I want Worlds to go overseas. The bottom line is it obviously wasn't ready at this time for, you know, other reasons. And so we're really excited for, um, for, uh, for Lynchburg. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll also say this, my fellow board members, um, they would make it, I mean, Nobody is giving me the bid because I'm the board president. I think I would actually get a harder comb over my bid if I wasn't the board president, just because they want to make sure there's no, uh, they, they want to keep everything above board, no pun intended. And so um, I think if I had to guess, they looked very closely at other op- you know, opportunities and they came back and said this was the best fit. What would you say, and and I don't want to just speak specifically to Finland, but what would you say to anyone that their bid has come up short or they weren't selected? And and I guess some sometimes that's one and the same. But you know, Finland wasn't selected. A lot of people felt like it was a shoe in, and as well, you it, said, it had UC behind it, and we all know that UC usually puts on a phenomenal event. So I think everyone just felt like, oh, if UC's putting in a bid for this. It's a done deal. I mean, UC knows how to run majors. Yeah, I yeah. would say UC is one of the best tournament. I would say he's, you know, one of the best tournament directors in the world. He and Jeff Spring and Doug Bierkus and Jonathan Poole and Steve Dodge and others. And so he's obviously very qualified. And to answer your question, Terry, a lot of things go in that process. You know, um, for any major, specifically for a pro major, what's the spectator revenue like? Can they take in spectator revenue? Do they have full control over the the venues? You know, can they close the venues for all practice rounds? Um, can we do test events? Um, you know, what kind of local staff do we have? How long will it take to you know set things up? You know, um, how much money is the local tourism board? willing to give to the event? What's the local volunteer scene like? What's the history of working with the local event group? What's the recency of events here? You know, some people say, why wasn't, why weren't there any majors in California for 24, et cetera? We have to get bids to award a bid to a city or a state or a country. And so, um, you know, there weren't, you know, I mean, we don't get a plethora of bids. You know, I, I, you know, we ran junior worlds and master worlds last year. Um, those events didn't didn't make a profit, and so it's tough to make money on every event that you run. Pro only events are the easiest to turn a profit, and you know I I would say that they're also the, the team is looking at can the event be profitable? You know, do they have the courses suitable? Are the courses ready? What are the conditions of the baskets and the tee pads, and how much work will it take to get the facility up to speed? Well, yep. I was going to say, speaking of which, I mean, Lynchburg, Virginia doesn't have a rich history of disc golf majors or disc golf. These are relatively, in fact, one of the courses isn't even in the ground yet, if I'm correct. How does that, and, and granted, we saw this in Utah. Utah, when they got the bid for Worlds, the the fort was not complete. It was not complete. It, and a lot of people said it was very rough. But when we got there, one of the greatest rounds in recent memory. So what's going on in Lynchburg that you feel that, you know, you were able to get the bid when it has no history? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was looking to host Worlds again in 24, and I wanted to host it in Peoria, but I knew that, honestly, 
if I did that, I, I may not be able to host Ledgestone because the goal going forward is not to host you know, two events in the same city in the same year. Yes, we just did it last year in Emporia, but it's not ideal. Nobody wants to come to Peoria or Emporia twice in one year. Some people like Terry don't even want to come once in the year. So, <laughs> I love know, being so. in Caterpillar land. <laughs> Regardless, I think, Johnny, to, your, to, to answer your question, you know, Macbeth called me up and he knew, I mean, I don't even think he knew that I wanted to host Worlds and he said, hey, you should look at Lynchburg. And I said, I am short one course. And he said, I have the best golf course for disc golf you'll ever see. And I said, well, I'm not going to go out there until I've talked to the owner. And, you know, I talked to the owner. I, I talked to the, the family and they said, you know, we'll give you the golf course for 10 days. We'll do this. We'll do this. So I had enough to go out there and kind of walk this course. And I was, I was blown away. It, it really is going to be the best golf course I've ever seen for a disc golf uh, tournament. And so um, it, it blows away anything I've, I, I've seen, the elevation and the beauty the course is at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so it doesn't need work. It doesn't need trimming. I mean, we, I already have the course laid out. I mean, we're probably going to use it for a college event here in a few months. It's pretty much ready to go. And then the wooded course, new, you know, New London Tech, you know, UDISC has it in the top 30 in the world. This is really going to be along the same model of the 2018 you know, Pro Worlds, you know, wooded course, open course, you know, at Fox Run Brewster, 2019 Pro Worlds. Northwood Gold, Wooded, Eureka Temp, Sunset Open. 2021, Fort and Mulligans, Open Wooded. And so I believe in that model. And, you know, I'm excited to be able to present two courses that I think players will walk away and say, wow, they knocked it out of the park. I think the last thing I'd say is I would never put my name on something that had the potential not to be successful. So I really believe that um, it'll be 100% ready and it'll the players will be really excited. So quickly put your PDGA hat on for me and, and answer, are these bids public? So the, the bids that came in, can, can a PDGA member look at them comparatively side by side? Can they, can they get one as an example? So for instance, if Terry Miller here wanted to run a, a junior worlds, could he look at one of the bids and be like, Oh, th- this is a great way to write out a bid. I've seen Terry's writing. It's not great. You know, actually you've got pretty nice handwriting. I'll say it's all right. So um, can someone look at the bids or maybe older bids? No, um, they, they can't. And the reason is that, you know, the PDJ event staff wants these individual teams to have, you know, individuality and be creative and show us what you got, you know, shoot your shot and show us. And so, you know, work with the local convention bureau and make it flashy. I remember one bid uh, that I reviewed one time when I didn't bid that year. I mean, they sent an elaborate website, you know, not the PDF bid. They designed a website and it was interactive. It was incredible. And so, you know, um, I would say that, you know, bids aren't public, but we give you a nine page framework of what you should include in your bid. And then the event support team and the event team, they answer any question you need to make a successful bid. And speak a little bit to the bidding process in terms of how far out the PDGA is trying to get the local organizing committees. What are some of those standard steps? Who do they reach out to? And and then maybe even kind of at a high level, talk to us about what's going to be needed in any successful bid. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, when I ran 2019 Pro Worlds, I was thinking about the bid in 2015, and the local newspaper ran an article saying they're, they want to bid on it. And I didn't bid on it until 2017, but by that time, I had massive plans for Northwood Gold. So I was thinking about it four years in advance, and then looking at the course that we wanted to build at Northwood Gold years in advance. And then we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so that's an extreme example, you know, but generally you're looking at it two years in advance as the event host. And you have to have certainty you're, you're going to be in the area still and that you're committed to this, that your job would allow you to do this because it's a huge time commitment. I mean, just, you know, I, you know, we're running the Champions Cup here in three and a half months. I mean, it's hundreds of hours for me. And then I have my, I have 16 employees that work in disc golf. They're all, you know, talking to video board companies or shuttle companies, you know, you know, staff locally. And so um, to win a successful bid, though, you really need to try to work with a local committee, you know, visitors bureau. They can support the, the event financially. They can get hotel rebates and discounts. You know, that helps bring revenue for the event. They can get negotiations for stuff that you wouldn't think of, you know, um, parking barriers, you know, stuff like that. They can work with tent companies and have, you know, they have discounts. So uh, your bid needs to show that you have a competent staff. They're probably not going to give a bid to somebody who has just run C tiers <laughs> or those little leagues at Valley View, whatever Terry's course that he sets up on and <laughs> sells kids, you know, candy or whatever. So, right. So yeah, you have to show an experienced team. You have to show a volunteer plan and a food plan and water plan. I mean, we spend thousands of dollars on ice and water every year at Ledgestone. We spend almost $10,000 on porta potties, having them every certain number of holes. You know, obviously, you know, there are guidelines. You know, I mean, we care a lot about, you know, what our female competitors say. And what they always tell us is have more porta potties on the course, right? You know, and so there's so many things that go behind a successful bid, but showing all of that in a bid helps the PDJ say, okay, they have this together. Uh, so a moment ago, you mentioned uh, the PDGA, the Champions Cup. We also just saw with regard to that, talking about planning, thinking ahead, months and ahead, and so on and so forth. Uh, spectator tickets, I believe just tonight, were actually going on sale. What, what kind of undertaking is that now that we have ropes, spectators, you know, disc golf pro tours clearly dealing with this week in and week out. Uh, now we're at the PDGA, uh, at the PDGA headquarters, the International Disc Golf Center down in Appling for this event. Uh, talk to us about what you know the spe spectator experience can and needs to be, and how that's evolving. I mean, 2019 Pro Worlds was the first year that I ever thought of charging spectator revenue, and it honestly. It changed my perspective on disc golf because before that, you know, we had these large crowds at Ledgestone every year. 2015 Ledgestone, we had 3,000 people there the last day. And it's taken me years to eclipse that. But once I started to charge, the spectator numbers didn't go down. They started to go up again from 2017, 18, after 19. And the reality is that people, they want to pay for value. And so if they're getting in free... If they plan on coming, maybe it gets hot, maybe it's, you know, windy, maybe it's cold, maybe it's rainy, they don't come. If they're paying something, all of a sudden they assume they're getting value. 
I think if tournament directors can show they're, that they're providing value at their event, whether it's you know up and close viewing uh, autograph tents, access to sweet food, concerts, um, all of those things, it makes it easier to sell spectator tickets, which in turn professionalizes the sport, if that's a word. You know, once you start selling tickets and you, you can set up the parking barricades and set up the ropes and hire more staff and make it professional to where you're saying, this feels like a, you know, a PGA Tour event. It feels professional. You, you can raise prices. And then all of a sudden, players are playing for $20,000 first prizes, $30,000 first prizes. So I'm super excited to host the Champions Cup this year. Obviously, we got the bid. For the Champions Cup, we were the only bid, as is public knowledge. When we released the results, we bid on it for Toboggan. It was then I was asked to if I would be okay with moving it to the IDGC, and I accepted. I, I, I you know, Jackson's one of my favorite courses. I played the Hall of Fame Classic uh, twice, and I, I love that property. They've made some changes, and I'm super excited to go back there here in a few months. And yeah, Spectator tickets did go on sale tonight. It's going to be a great viewing experience. You know, Bushnell Boulevard is kind of set up all over the course. People can access, and it, it's a wonderful facility. What would you say to someone, and I understand you just gave us all the, the positives. What would you say to someone that says, eh, we, we are also, though, that feels like in, in some degree we're gatekeeping. We're, we're chasing away some families. We're chasing away some spectators that don't want to play that those aren't our roots playing disc golf playing frisbee have traditionally been relatively inexpensive if not completely free uh what would you say to someone that feels like we're we're bastardizing or or monetizing the sport well i mean as someone on the board just said european open had how many people and they didn't charge anything i've got a different rebuttal to that but what what, what, (laughs) what do you what do you say to that nate yeah i would say the european open is a Interesting example. I I don't believe they can charge at uh, the Beast Course. You know, based on local uh, you know rules. I could be wrong there, but that's what I've been told many times that they actually can't charge. But I would say that I don't believe that's the case. I I think that people have they want to spend money in disc golf. They want to support their favorite pro. They want to do these things. And look, if you're charging spectator revenue and just dump again in your pocket. Yeah, I suppose that's legal because there's no guidelines really on what to do with that money. But the market will determine, the market will fix that. If you're doing that as a TD, it's going to come back to bite you. The bottom line is if those TDs are putting that money back into the event, people notice. You know, this year at D-Glow, we had almost 3,000 spectators on the last day. Um, It was, there are a lot of people there and they paid for that. And we bumped up the added cash at the last second because I didn't anticipate that many spectators. And, you know, so I would say that um, people are okay with paying, especially at the prices we're charging $10, $20, you know, VIPs for a hundred dollars for a week. I mean, you know, I want to, you know, I want to go to a concert. I mean, I went to the, the Eagles this summer and it was $180 for two and a half hours for a concert. Right. And so for one night. And so I think, People are okay with paying for it if you're getting value. And I think if we we price the tickets appropriately, I mean, nobody wants to pay $50 for a 12-year-old to show up to an event. If we keep you know families or we keep it at a reasonable level, 
I don't see a problem in spectator charging. Personally, I think we have experiences, like you said, the VIPs, that where there are people who want to pay for an upgraded experience, and they will pay. It's every industry will do this. And so whether that's $100 or $200 for a day or a weekend, if, if they get the special perks and seating and whatever whatever it is, give the we can give the people a lot of options i don't see an issue at all with uh with for the most part what most events i've seen charge do do you feel like we're going to get to a point where our venue we're going to outgrow even our current venues and and because there might want to be 4000 or 5000 or 8000 spectators and we actually have to turn people away do you do you envision a day even soon where we're going to outgrow some of these venues I mean, I, I know it's already happening now. I mean, you know, Maple Hill is one of my favorite places to go. I mean, I've, I've taken, I've took four different trips to play Maple Hill. I played the MVP open twice, you know, um, as a low level pro scrub. I mean, I know it's that Steve's already, I'm sure he would say he's, he's got ideas and I'm sure he does, but you know, even at Eureka, you know, we're, we're parking at, you know, the grade school parking lot and, and smugs they're, you know, I mean, every venue has that problem, I think, right now. And they're working on how do we find more spots. That's the beauty of um, this golf course in Lynchburg. I mean, they just had 4,500 people at a 4th of July event you know, this summer. There's not many venues on tour right now that can even have 3,000 people. You know, I, I think of the, the European Open, that, you know, whatever they said, you know, 5,000, you know, that number seems high, but maybe it's 4,000. Um, I, I think that's probably capacity for nearly every venue. And I think it's going to be creative to try to get creative, you know, to 6,000 and above. I think we're only at golf courses. Then you're not fitting 1000 people, you know, at Bruce, North Black. right. You know, <laughs> we, I mean, a thousand is our capacity at black. We had that this year and that's, only the case because it's 90 acres and you can spread them out on, you know, but most wooded courses, it's tough to get a thousand people. The golf courses are easy, but people don't just like watching a golf course. So, Mm -hmm. well, I think we're going to see, as you were saying earlier, the market will kind of sort this stuff out, hopefully in that we're going to see things like final days be X amount more, you know, maybe you're not going to be able to take your 13 year old to Sunday finishing round because those prices might go up to, $50, $70, $100, but maybe the Thursday, Friday, or a Saturday event special for kids because there's, well, it's summer or school, depends on when the year is, but whatever, um, will be cheaper. And so you can bring families in. And, you know, but you're right. I think we're going to start hitting, hopefully, we're going to start hitting these capacities for some of our courses that I think, I I don't know, know, long term, as, as the sport grows, you'll see more money in the spectator experience. You look at the Phoenix Open, you know, they can fit. 80,000 fans in, in that property there because of the grandstands they built. We're not there yet, but we're in, we're at bleacher level and we're going to get to the level where we can fit maybe some larger grandstands. Well, uh, a couple of those top performing players that we have uh, year in and year out, of course, uh, comes down to being uh, granted uh, some honors such as player of the year. And this last weekend, uh, I believe it was almost immediately after clock struck midnight, uh, it was announced that we saw our PDGA Players of the Year in the FPO side, of course, Paige Pierce, and on the MPO side, uh, 
Paul Macbeth, uh, Robert Burridge, your MPO Rookie of the Year, and Aria Castorita, your FPO Rookie of the Year. Because it's the internet, and partially because people can't read and or do maths, um, this was met with a lot of a lot of criticism and a fair amount of uproar. So I- explain to anyone what, what, what they're missing, what we're missing, because the, the smell test, the immediate knee-jerk reaction s- sniff is that, that doesn't sound right. It just doesn't sound right. There's no way. Blah. So ex- explain to us what happened, and then um, if it's going to continue, or, or maybe maybe this gets taken into consideration or doesn't. Yeah, I would say, first of all, on the MPO side, I think, you know, Ricky, Paul, and Simon all had incredible years. And either, you know, either of those three players probably could have, you know, claimed uh, best player of the year. I think the bottom line is, you know, if I compare golf to disc golf or tennis to disc golf, um, people talk about... um, Jack and Tiger and how many majors and how, you know, how close Tiger got. They talk about, um, in tennis, all they talked about for 10 years was Federer chasing Sampras and then Nadal and Djokovic trying to catch Federer. And then now, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I think if you gave this list of, uh, you know, these three players to a hundred pros, I think, I think more of them would choose Macbeth season. And so, I think, you know, if you look at the majors, Paul was 85 strokes ahead of Simon. He was 40 strokes ahead of Ricky, cumulatively at the four majors. Ricky had a great year, and Ricky could have won this event. Paul had a great year. Simon had a great year. I think that um, the point system does value majors extensively more than smaller events, you know. And then it does have, you know, the A-tier side of it. But even if, uh, I I think Paul won five A-tiers. Um, if you take all of those out, Paul still wins the the award. And so I think it was his performance in the majors that won him the award based on the points. And this was um, the process that was announced back in January. And we're always tweaking the formula. In fact, you know, we've been working on a tweak for months. And there, the, the new formula will be announced shortly, you know, maybe even in the next week. And if you look at golf, the FedEx uh, Cup formula – it's changed, you know, almost every year, you know, in terms of, you know, now they're starting, you know, the, you know, the, whoever's in first place starts at 12 under and then the, the guy in 30, it starts at two under it's constantly evolving and changing. And so on the MPO side, you know, that's what I would say there on the FPO side, Kristen had an amazing finish to the year. She had a great year in general, um, but Paige still won two majors. Um, not, there are not many FPO players period that can say, that they've won two majors in their entire career and Paige won two of them in the same year. Uh, obviously Kristen won worlds and Kristen, I mean, had a phenomenal year, but the award is a cumulative award. That's really, you know, the more you play, the more you rack up, the better you play in the majors, you know, Kristen was injured and missed uh, two majors and she missed in fact, 10 weeks of this season. And she still had an amazing year and, and, you know, she could have won the award. Paige could have won the award. But the reality is that, you know, Paige had more points. I, I don't think there's an argument that... 
like you said about Paul, everyone would have taken Tatar's year. Tatar had a better year than Paige Pierce. She won Worlds. She won a bunch of events. Rarely finished out of third. Never she, finished ne- never, out of third. But if you take the time she took off, those 10 weeks, and you have her play, and she finish, and because she's injured, if she finishes towards the bottom of these events, she takes 12th or 15th at, at, uh, at uh, U.S. Women's or something. I mean, endurance matters in our sport. Like it or not, you you have to attend. And I personally don't have a problem with the PDGA weighing their majors the way they do. I mean, you again, Mister Man of Many Hats, you you are a PDGA board, but you also help run the Pro Tour. You have two now, two three events. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you run. You I, whatever. Um, and so the fact that the PDGA weighs their majors more to me makes the most sense. If the DGPT came out with their DGPT Player of the Year awards, and they, as you know, they're they're looking at some of their formulas, and they're weighing what the Elite Series Plus, the same as majors this upcoming year. A lot of people were like, "Well, that's not fair. The majors are better." Well, guess what? It's the DGPT. They yeah. want to weight their events to make them feel like they're as big as majors. Like it, it all makes sense to me. And people that are uh, even in our board here, obviously, they're. Com- not complaining, but just stating that uh, that you know, oh, points are so, you know, the the criteria is subjective. Not necessarily that the points are subjective, because you could pick any criteria. What I say is that the minute you add like a fan vote or a player vote or anything like that, and you add subjectivity into this, you're going to run into issues that we saw two years ago with the Paige Pierce. Katrina Allen thing where we suddenly had co-players of the year and it was a little weird and awkward and nobody quite understood or really liked it. Um, I think the only thing people could maybe, and I don't know what the tweaks are that are coming because obviously you're going to be announcing them, but I think some people had said, maybe we drop one of the majors. You don't have to count all four majors. But to me, that seems kind of silly. Like you, you, you yeah, have we're to. We're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to do that. So, um, you <laughs> okay. Know, so, Good. so I even mean, because yeah. really. It, it's a yeah, and look, the DGPT had Player of the Year. They they came out with, you know, they released. I I, I think they released their Player of the Year, the points winner, you know. Um, and so they have their award, and and the PDJ has theirs. And you know, I mean, as I said, Kristen had a. I mean, you look at Kristen's season; she had a great year, but so did Paige. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not you can't fault Paige for Kristen not being on tour and for Kristen being injured. Kristen, if she had played those ten those ten weeks, maybe she dominates. But Paige played more events, and you know, she, as as you said, endurance does matter. But really, performance in majors. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think anybody cares how many elite series wins Ricky has or Paul has or Dave Felberg had because he has a ton. They do care. I think history cares about how many majors did Dave Felberg win. Well, actually, it was a lot. And how many did Macbeth win? How many did Ricky win? And really. I mean, Paul has shown that, you know, I mean, I think it was, you know, Paul, he may have had a down year by his standards, but it certainly wasn't a down year, right? You know, uh, if we're used to Paul winning 12 events, you know, he still won a lot of events, but he turns it on to a different level at majors, and you know, and, and so that really, um, that weighs heavily into the points. Okay. Well, I I guess my my big takeaway and I feel like this can be said of a lot of 
policies, and I know we've uh, you know had updates to the rules, the new 2023 seasons in place. Uh, one of the larger uh, conversation pieces, of course, being the transgender policy and and how we're moving forward with that. I'll I'll repeat what I said about that uh, it, it, to even what I'm saying here in the sense that like. I think we should be if you want to argue that you don't like the policy for X, Y and Z reason, that's fine. But when you're bringing the subjectivity of it into the actual people at hand, because what almost everybody said is it just it just feels like so and so had the better year. Of, Of course, I can understand how you feel that. I mean, as you just said. Kristen Tatar had this insanely great year topped by her first ever world's uh, championship and and Ricky and and Simon again incredible years no one's denying that but at the beginning of the year the criteria was laid out and all you can do is play by the criteria that's in front of you for this given time frame and so if you want to argue that you don't like the criteria that's fine, but don't get it twisted how it then is the, the the PDGA, for instance, followed by the letter of the law, what the criteria was, and then you disagreed with it and said, well, that just doesn't feel right. Well, it's just math. At that point, it's literally math. And yeah, and I would, yeah, yeah it's just I, frustrating say, to watch and to see. And I would say, you know, in general, to it, what I would always ask our members to do, you know, I mean, um, put put yourself in the board shoes. You know, we don't make decisions on personal bias and personal feelings, and you know, we're fiduciaries for the organization. We're trying to think of, you know, and trying to act in the best interest of the PDGA and growing the sport. So for any decision we've made, um, we put aside personal bias. We put aside personal opinion and think, you know, what is the best thing for the PDGA? What is the best thing to grow the sport of disc golf? And how can we act in the best interest of our members? We're elected by the members. And so, you know, we have to kind of keep that in mind. It doesn't matter how I feel personally about XYZ topic. It matters, you know, what's the best for the organization. Well, and, and I, I guess only because you stepped right into that that statement of how you matter. Uh, there's a, a very vocal person on the board that feels as if you've had personal stances on on sexuality or preference or anything of that nature um you, you know you just said that as a board member and as someone leading the organization your personal preference is set aside where where does or your personal beliefs and, and feelings get set aside where does that line get drawn of when anyone i'll say acts as a board member versus acting as an individual PDGA member where where do you feel like how does that distinction get made and who does or doesn't I don't want to say get a pass that's not the right word but uh, where does that distinction get made I mean are you always Nate Heinold the board member yeah it's interesting whenever uh, a new board member comes on you know I'm you know I'm coming up on my sixth year on the board and um, my term ends here this year and I kind of have to take on the the task of telling our new members that you really don't get to have a personal opinion anymore because we have to think about what's best for the organization. So yes, you know, I get the comments, you know, this, uh, you know, gentleman on the board here, I get comments like that from time to time and I get emails and um, a lot of them are unfounded. I mean, I honestly have nothing against any group of people. I put any, 
you know, personal opinion aside, I don't even have, you know, most of the personal opinions that people accuse me of having, um, you know, and so that's the ironic part. I, I used to fight about it on Facebook, you know, maybe eight, 10 years ago. And now I, I just take the hit and I move on and I, I do it for the betterment of the sport. I do my job for the PDJ as a volunteer. And so saying I have anti this views or anti that views, it's just not true. So yeah, I, I am a Christian and I've told, I've, I've never hid that. I don't push that on people. I don't use any of those beliefs um, in my work for the PDJ. I never have and I never will. I've, I've voted for several things that I, I wasn't even personally you know, in favor of. And so just because it's, what the, it's what's better for the organization. So you know, Justin Menichelli and I you know, used to you know, serve on the board and we would comment that he and I are very different. You know, and we didn't always agree. Um, but we both wanted to, you know, we, we were passionate about the sport of disc golf and doing what was right for the sport. And so when somebody accuses me of this or that, you know, um, I don't argue anymore, but I don't, I, I don't have a bias against any group of people or anything. I love all disc golfers. I respect all viewpoints. I try to be as fair to, I, I listen to both sides. Um, I think if you ask my fellow board members, um, they would say that I'm always trying to, mostly always trying to get to a consensus. Um, not always the case, uh, you know, but I'm always trying to find middle ground um, because I don't want us to be the U.S. Congress or the U.S. Senate where we're always just these hardline views, you know. And so any of my personal beliefs, I throw them out the door and I encourage all of our board members to do that. You know, Leah... You, know, you 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 mentioned her you know earlier she's a good example she doesn't bring her own personal biases to the table and we've always talked about that as a board to say we have to do what's right for the sport and that may not be something i want to do i've made to sit you know i've been in the minority many times with votes and i haven't liked it but i respect the process and i move on and so um so yeah okay uh and as we'll move on from here i do have to quickly asked though uh it was a couple of weeks ago we had uh ultimately what was going to be the new policy and procedure moving forward with uh transgender athletes within disc golf uh, my my question at this point is it's enacted for 2023 uh we, we we're told it's you know essentially going to be a working document that will continue working policy that will continue to get revised or uh, not sorry, reviewed reviewed thank you reviewed and possibly revised but reviewed year after year it's my point is it's been a couple of weeks i guess my question to you is has there been any additional clarification follow-up uh leaning feedback is there is there is there anything that is uh that hasn't been discussed that is i'll say new since that policy has been announced? Um, no, not that I'm aware of. Um, okay. You know, this, I mean, as our statement said, we spent a whole year on this. We started in January and finished that process, um, you know, just, you know, five or six weeks ago. And so it was a very comprehensive process. Um, and our members were very passionate about, you know, giving us their opinion, whether it was the survey or feedback on social media. And so, um, you know, it was uh, very outspoken on both sides, but we 
Uh, we're very comprehensive, no changes that need to be announced. And I believe our release said we would review it annually. Yeah. Is there something that will trigger a review or is it kind of just every year we're going to take a look and look at the policy and if nothing changes or is there something specific that will for the PDGA that will be like, no, we really need to address this because it feels like if this decision took six, eight, 10 months to decide, it doesn't feel like if you guys review it in, we'll just say November, you're looking at it in November and you say, all right, that anything would happen in such a short amount of time before the next year. So it feel it to me, it kind of feels like even if it's reviewed, it's going to take another six months to review. So we're almost in this policy, maybe for another two years for certain while it's reviewed. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Um, I would just say that, you know, we're going to review it annually, meaning, okay. you know, we're, we're not going to sit here and every month. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You know, um, <laughs> do you, do we need to look at this again because of this? Yeah. But you know, I, the one thing that is always going to um, happen in any industry, in any sport, is change will be constant. Other organizations, sporting organizations, will come out with, you know, policies and studies and et cetera. Um, so that information may be compiled all year and then we review it, you know. Um, but we're always, I mean, we're reviewing everything that we do all the time. It may not mean that we make, you know, changes but um we have to review i mean we have policies now that need updating that maybe had a mistake you know maybe things have changed with you know a few years ago you know one porta potty for a course was fine and now it's every <laughs> four to six holes you need it and so um so the goal is to always be you know looking at this and and that's what i would just tell our members once again um the board puts aside personal bias you know and we look at any issue from the perspective of what's the best for the organization, whether it's awarding a major or any topic, you know, that's what we're looking at doing is acting in the best interest of our members. And that's what we were, we were elected to do. So. Uh, Not, (laughs) I guess it's hard to say not related. You said this is your, your, you're coming up for reelection this upcoming year. Well, you said this is the end. This is the end. Are you putting words in his mouth? I, I would no. My, my my the question I'm asking is: Have you decided whether you're going to rerun for next year, or is that something that you haven't decided upon yet? I have not decided, and I do want to give a shout out to Billy on the board. Billy, uh, good to see you there, Billy. Uh, I've seen her out at many events, and she's a wonderful photographer. But um, I have not decided. That's more of a question for. Mrs. Heinold, um, my wife. And so <laughs> let's and, get and her on really the, the interview. Where yeah, is she at? <laughs> no, I, yeah, she's in Kentucky right now. So she went down to see her family, but um, I don't know if I'm going to run again. So it's, um, I, I, I'm working on a proposal right now um, with the board for, you know, elections going forward to, you know, make things a little bit more streamlined. But I mean, I, it's a huge, I mean, it, it's a complete volunteer time commitment. I, I, this last year has been 20 hours a week. Um, and it's, that was hard. I mean, I have a four year old and I have a, a 15 year old who's driving. Um, (laughs) okay. So, you know, scary, but I, I would love to continue to run, but, um, it's a massive volunteer time commitment that, that I give. And I also, you know, I 
run Ledgestone and I run Deglow and I run, I have 16 employees in Champions disc golf Cup. and I'm supposed <laughs> Champions Cup. And we process thousands of orders, thousands of orders every month, you know, through our warehouse. And um, I volunteer for Paul's foundation and I'm supposed to have an insurance job, which, you know, that's, I mean, yeah. So I don't have enough hours to do everything that I want to do. And I don't want, you know, my goal in, in, in just in disc golf in general is, and what I would tell anybody listening that wants to start a business or get involved in disc golf, don't focus on too many things. You know, in my opinion, my team does three things really well, and I don't want to broaden it beyond that. You know, I don't want to get into, let's get into the business of, you know, putting courses in the ground. Let's get in the business of branding baskets and selling them. Let, let, let's make discs. You know, <laughs> you know, Discraft can just make Ledgestone discs. Um, I want to do the things that we do really well, and that's what I would tell any business. And if I was a consultant for them, Stick to the things that you do well and your core competencies and do those things better than anybody else. And I would say that I'm always working on all of our core competencies, but in terms of running events, I would put, you know, my team in the top five, not me, my team. You know, my, I have such a great team to run events and I am not the best TD in the game, but I feel that I have the best people working for me that I get all the credit for, but really it's nothing without. Uh, Jamie Kemp and Michael Munn and Ko and Mike Krupika and Dustin Leatherman and Zach Smith and you know Dalton and Andrew and all of my team coming together. And so, if you're running events, find a good team that makes you look good because that's what helped me, you know, get these bids and get these majors and run these events. Well, you uh, certainly have a busy 2023 uh, in store. I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you at a number of these events and uh, looking forward to all of it. Uh, the, the last the last thing, I, I think I wrote a note down because I saw something when I was digging around last night. Your, uh, obviously, Ledgestone, your uh, Ledgestone Open. Uh, I, I hate to call it your premier event, but you because ha- you're you know <laughs> running all of these. But uh, amateur registration is that that's on the uh, is that released tonight tomorrow night? What are we looking at? Uh, it it opened January first. Okay, um, and for people who sponsor a hole or buy a three pack of discs, they get to register early. We have less than a hundred spots left um, okay. this year. The event um, is presented by Merrill, so I was very excited after trying for seven years to get Merrill. You get, finally got your foot my, in the door. Hey, yo! Finally, oh. All right, just end it. Just end it. We're done. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Bad. I'm sorry. You, so you got Merrill. They're on board. Uh, and um, Can I I'll, get a new pair of I'll, shoes, Daddy? If you're on staff, you get a, a free pair of shoes. Yes, all I'll staff be there. members get shoes. I'll be I'll there. Be, yeah, maybe. I mean... Depends on if you're being paid by the Disc Golf Network. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not giving you any shoes. So yeah, food, you are. Come on, so. I need shoes. Um, no, every you don't. Player, like, like the one thing you don't need. Have you ever wore the shoes that I gave you the last two years? They're out. I wore them out entirely. They were incredible. I love them. I what wore color them. were they? They were what blue. Were they? You didn't give me a pair okay. last year, jerk. Well, so the blue ones I got are completely worn out. I love them, but they're they're donezo. So. Yeah, I need Ter Bear needs a new pair of shoes. And the one uh, for the AMs this year, they get an exclusive grip equipment bag. So exclusive. <laughs> so that's that's uh, that's what they get this year. Um, and so 
pretty excited for Ledgestone. I call it the flagship event, not the premiere. The, it, yeah. It's kind of our flagship event. Yeah. So. Well, it makes sense. I, I understand the, the name, the branding. All right. Well, Nate, uh, I know you got a ton of things to do, and uh, we appreciate you staying up. I know it's also past your bedtime. So thank you for His joining us. Away. He stays I, up all night. Yeah. No, Party animal. Nobody rages I'm like Nate, go, let me tell you. I'm going to go watch Survivor or you know, wow. play, play Halo. I'm just kidding. So that, that, that was the 90s. So <laughs> Survivor wow. and Halo. <laughs> Uh, Give me some Mountain Dew Red and I'm I'm all in it. Tell him to drink a Zima, but I know he won't. So, all right. Well, Nate, uh, seriously, we understand you're, uh, you know, anyone that steps up and takes on a lot of responsibilities, volunteer or paid or otherwise in a a leadership position. Um, Not everything's going to be perfect. And and I know that you're, you're always striving to get better and to improve. And I've seen your growth. I've seen how you've developed not only as a tournament director, but also as this leader and organizer throughout uh, the last decade, really. And um, I know the road's not easy, and I know there, there's plenty of criticism about, some, sometimes rightfully so, and sometimes not so yeah. much. But uh, I know you, you have grown a lot in taking it in stride. So we appreciate uh, the, the number of hats that you wear and the way you've put yourself out there to uh, try to lead the way in a lot of different uh, categories in terms of disc golf development. So, um, yeah, you may not, you may or may not hear it enough, but uh, nonetheless, we, we do thank you. We appreciate The disc golf you. community is better because of the work that you're doing, so we do appreciate you know, I it. Would, I, I would end it with this story. Back after the 2015 Ledgestone, uh, Terry, that was the first time that you worked one of my events. You were there. Um, we'll call it, it was a rough go. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of criticism. I was sitting in my new house on my kitchen counter. You were there with me. And I was basically almost in tears saying, why would I ever want to do this again? I, you know, I, I was heavily criticized, rightfully so. Um, but you know what? I, I got back on my feet and I made things better. And that's what I would tell anybody. Um, expect the criticism when you run events, but take it in stride and, and, and make your events better because people will come back you know ledgestone started with 105 players and last year we had 2200 which was by far the largest disc golf tournament ever and so um take the feedback in stride there are a lot of haters out there but most people are going to appreciate what you do as a tournament director hashtag bring back the volleyball hole yeah (laughs) sandy up in here all right nate uh seriously we appreciate it uh thanks for all the uh the the insights uh again official unofficial and and everywhere in between in those capacities and uh and i'll i say to you but i also do strongly say it to the rest of your fellow pdga volunteers and staff members you guys are always welcome i feel once a month at least we should have a pdga person on our podcast so that we can get the scoop and learn more and uh spread the love of the pdga around a little bit greater so uh make sure everybody uh knows they need to be joining us here I'm going to tweet him and Facebook or no, MySpace because we're there in the 90s, go. right? I'm yes. going to MySpace him. So. You go MySpace him. All right. You're getting out of MySpace now. We'll talk to you later, Nate. <laughs> Bye, Nate. See ya. There was no MySpace in the 90s. No, nah, not but... quite, but it feels, it feels, it still felt right. 
maybe he he, sh- he should go start a blogger, angel, or a live angel journal, fire account, or a live journal, yeah, or... something like that. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, thank you guys, uh, thank you Nate for joining, and thank you all for jumping on here and uh, getting in on the action. Guys, don't go anywhere. We actually have a ton more. I think we're gonna close Ooh. out the regular show here, unless you have anything else major. We've got more guests already lined up for the after show. That's how you know. Stuff is wild tonight. We've got after show guests planned. Jam packed tonight, Terry. Jam packed. Speaking of Space Jam, <laughs> no, maybe not. Uh, Technotronic, pump up the jam. Pump up the jam. NBA Jam on the Sega. He's on fire. Oh my gosh, so much good stuff. All right, guys. Uh, Wow, Uh, that feels like we consumed a lot and we have more for you. Uh, Off to an incredible start here in 2023. I will reserve all frustrations for being an odd number year because I hate odd numbers. So 2023 just looks and sounds terrible to me from an optics perspective. I know. You know how excited I am for 2024? It's like the two twos are even and they add up to a four. Like, I, I get that part, but this is just, I just, I, I, I have a, a thing against odd numbers. So 2023. That's why Terry doesn't get ones on his scorecard. It just feels terrible. But uh, I am looking forward to uh, an incredible year. And I think some of the individuals we just talked to, both of them, are all uh, going to be part of that continued growth and uh, craziness within disc golf. So we're going to close out the regular show. All that means for you guys, though, is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to recognize a few people that jumped on, that subscribed and or super chatted us. Thank you to them. Uh, we'll take a quick break. And then if you just stay right there, you go get your popcorn. And by the time you come back, we will be in the after show where we talk about things disc golf related, non disc golf related. And tonight we even have a couple of special guests, including at least one future Hall of Famer. All right. He, 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 you're touching all the touchy subjects. <laughs> we'll get there. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. Thank you to Nate along with Josh. We'll see you guys in the after show. You step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 